We are back. It is the 6th of January, 2019. Officially day 16 of the government shutdown, I believe. Day 16. We may not be receiving our round earth shill pro-vaccination checks from the government, but we are still here because we have been deemed essential personnel. The Brolytically Correct podcast is back. I'm Mike. Tommy's on the other side. And uh, we're going to get going this morning. Love the intro. Yeah. Solid you intro. Know, just, I like that. Just, you know. just Welcome little, to 2019. Uh, yeah, 2019. No government Berlitic- for all of 2019. <laughs> no, we're going anarchy. Uh, we're going full libertarian up in this bitch. <laughs> we don't need big brother or big sister looking at us in order for the politically correct to function. In fact... No rules is better for us. Yeah, man, I'm happy to be back. We've uh, been on a hiatus for a little bit, just sorting some things out. But uh, happy to be back in the studio with you, Mike, and welcome to 2019. What's going to change? Any New Year's resolutions? New Year, new me, baby. No, um, yeah. New Year's Original. resolutions? Uh, yeah, extremely. Uh, I'm not really a resolutions guy. Uh, however... Uh, we had some scheduling issues on the podcast before, all due to me. And if I did have a resolution, it would be consistency. Right on. I like it. How about yourself? Very humble of you. Um, I mean, I'm still working on stuff on my end, scheduling-wise as well. Um, in terms of resolutions, just keep on keeping on. I think uh, I've got some good momentum going. Just uh, don't get sidetracked by anything. I think I'm trending in the right direction if I was on Twitter or on the stock market or whatever. Uh, so just yep. keep doing that. I'm not where I want to be, nowhere near it, but um, I like the I like the tra- trajectory I'm on. That's a, that's a big word for a Sunday morning. Same here. And my trajectory got a little off course. Um, I felt like I was putting in so much hard work at work that I let the weakness slip in outside of work. That I was like, ah, I'm putting in all this hard work over here. I can kind of just take some uh, mental vacations, have lapses in discipline, and uh, outside of work. And that's not productive, I found out. And I'm not going to be doing that anymore. So Hey, but you uh, you owned up to it, you acknowledged it, and uh, you learned from it, you moved forward. That's the most important part. You didn't, you didn't let it get out of control or anything. It's not like it happened for a long time. So no biggie moving forward. Yeah, shout out to Jocko Willink, extreme owner. <laughs> <laughs> have you read uh have you read any of Jocko's new new literature? Or David the new, literature? new literature? No. No, I don't negative. know. Negative. I don't know. I think I feel like he's putting out a monthly kids book, so it's kinda hard to keep up with what's new and what's not new. Oh, definitely. And I actually have a little bit of a rant about Goggins' literature. Um Oh, interesting. I haven't I haven't read it and I don't know too much about it, but I uh oh. I'm very familiar with Goggins and his message and his kind of thought process, so I'll be excited to hear what you have to say about that. It's it's not really about Goggins, it's more about the people reading it. Um so <laughs> Ooh, a little alarm second. Little Did you alarm. snooze? Alarm you a snooze guy? On. No, that's actually my ringtone. No, oh. I I like discipline there and didn't turn off Has, the uh, hazmat ringtone. Yeah, hazmat ringtone. It's so people can, you know, it's so I can identify it. Nobody else has that ringtone, you know. It's true. You have it the, sounds the like common an alarm. ones. Yeah, you have the common ones on the iPhone, and people are gonna you get a little confused. Is it my phone ringing? Is it that guy's phone ringing? 
no mistaking it over here. Wow. No mistaking it. And actually, my alarm, then, on the other hand, is the sound of a ferocious dog barking, which um, I feel just primally and just evolutionarily uh, puts a fear response into me and wow. gets me Fight up and going first thing in the morning. <laughs> Central nervous system. Cool. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Basic when they um, would bust open the door and then have air horns or a megaphone or just start banging on lockers, and it just Ooh, takes me back. Man. That's fun. That's like a fun little wacky takes sleepover. Me back. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fun little wacky sleepover. Yeah. Um, in San Antonio, Texas, in the middle that's the of home the summer. Of sleepovers. Sure. Home, home of sleepovers. Oh. In the middle of July, our AC was broken. Um, in there with, I don't know, I forget how many dudes it was, but like 40 other dudes the all stench, on bunk beds. I can, I can smell that for some reason. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. And yeah. um, d- several people who snore, different noises in the middle of the night, people getting up to go to the bathroom. It's great times. Best sleep I've ever had. Not, um, not getting that Rhonda Patrick circadian rhythm sleep. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Lackland Air Force Base, or Joint Base, I guess. Who are they joined with? Uh, the David, huh? Joint, yeah, with army. army. Oh, so just yeah, like JBLM. Yeah, exactly. But um, Goggins, the people reading it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess think I know maybe where you're going with in, this. I guess maybe they're trying to get inspiration, but I just have a lot of. And and that's fine. If you're gonna take the book, you're gonna read it, and you, that's what you're gonna try to do to turn your life around. There's some soft ass motherfuckers <laughs> reading this book and then putting the putting the quotes up on Instagram or whatever. You know, it's on their Insta stories. It's on their their just straight up Instagram post. And some of them, some of them, I think are not reading it for inspiration, but are reading it and thinking, "Yeah, I'm doing that. This is my life. I'm living this right now." And it's like, no, motherfucker, because like one of the, the main quotes is like. He talks about um, seeking out discomfort and, like, finding pleasure in discomfort and then, mm-hmm. you know, having the accountability mirror and if you're not doing the things you're supposed to do and seeking out that discomfort and that pain kind of, then you look at yourself in the accountability mirror and hold yourself accountable. It's like, I, I think some of these dudes, these fuckboys, one in particular that stands out in my mind, um... I follow him on Instagram. He is the most, you know, total frat move guy, fuckboy, um, on steroids and not doing them correctly. Daddy <laughs> bought him a business that he runs, and oh. because of that, he's a successful businessman. Um, I don't know who you're talking po- about. Post pictures of his, uh, his freaking, uh, well, mate, well, the, uh, no, uh, yeah, yeah, you're getting confused with another more famous person. This person is not oh. famous at all. Uh, um, yeah, and uh, so post pictures of his Corvette that he has all souped up and that he doesn't do any of the work on that just he pays for all this work to be done on this Corvette. It's just a total and complete douche. And he's like, I think he thinks that he's been doing all that. You know, I think he thinks... That he's been seeking out discomfort and doing things the hard way and, and like getting work done and stuff like that and just getting out there and getting after it. And it's like, no, you delusional motherfucker. <laughs> like, has he anyway. run 800 uh, mile races in consecutive weekends? 
Negative. No. Negative. Um, he, Big time negative. He had, yeah, that's a uh, – I'm sorry, that's a holdover from uh, Academy. Uh, negative, it's – it's just what I say instead of no now, apparently. Oh, um, no. <laughs> but uh, Mikey Robot. that and Raj, if, if you ever, you know, somebody says something to you and you want to convey that you've gotten the message, Raj. Um, what are you, Top Gun? What are you, Maverick? <laughs> I, know, I know. It's weird. It's just a holdover from Academy. I need to get rid of that because I'm sure people look at me a little weird when I yeah. say that from time to time. Why aren't you time. wearing aviators and dancing to an 80s Cindy Lauper song with kelly mcgillis <laughs> and so the person who kind of instilled that in us did wear aviators and had a big handlebar mustache and yeah anyway um yeah need to get rid of it that's that's a resolution throw that on the list there you go got you down getting rid of raj and negative um please so but anyway that's that's my rant it's just like yeah. people are people are using goggins's book and the achievements that goggins have has had for self affirmation and confirmation that they're living a badass life even though they're they're doing a shit ton of steroids and looking like you know just your average gym bro and then um running a business that daddy bought for them so yeah i really thought you're talking about dan bilzerian there for a second for the first 95 percent of that description i thought you're talking about dan bilzerian but i'm uh i mean i 100 percent agree with you about those people posting stuff and thinking that they're Goggins, but I think the only anecdote for that would be to just, or antidote rather, it would be to just not go on Instagram, right? Yeah. Which sucks. It's true. You know, it can be fun and I don't know, maybe it has other benefits, but you got to deal with that stuff like 99% of the time, some fantasy world that people are living in. Definitely. And I should almost just delete all the, all, all the, the fluff. You know, because there are helpful things on Instagram. One of the most helpful things on Instagram that I found, and like if you are having any sort of uh, physical issues, this is this can be very very helpful. Is there are a lot of um, physical therapists who put a lot of really helpful stuff out there on Instagram. If you're having pain in specific areas or just issues with certain joints or movements or things like that, man. Instagram is a gold mine for that stuff. And I found stuff that I never would have thought of doing myself that has helped me with, you know, back issues, shoulder issues, stuff like that. So that that's beautiful for Instagram. Jiu-jitsu techniques, man, they'll throw like, you know, a, a nice jiu-jitsu technique in a one-minute clip. Um, it, it There's a lot of useful things that come from Instagram, but I think you're right that's it's pretty outweighed by the yeah. uh, non-useful things. I mean, if you can sort through it and find what you're looking for and get in, get out, that's awesome. I mean, I, I definitely think there are benefits, but I think I've ranted on this before about my uh, non-liking of social media. Oh, um, definitely. Do, do you want to transition to sports to start this? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Did you watch the... Uh, Wild card games yesterday, the two games, Seattle versus Dallas was the night game, and the the first afternoon game was the traditional Houston Texans losing at home to <laughs> the Colts to, yeah, to I kick watched, off uh, the playoffs. I mean, I yeah, was texting some people uh, yesterday. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's nothing more American than watching the Texans lose in that first opening wild card game on that <laughs> Saturday afternoon. There's literally nothing. It just feels right. Like, if they were to win that game, and they're always at home, too. 
and they'll have I feel like it's against the Colts a lot too, the little divisional rivalry in the wild card round. And it just it's so perfect. They don't score points, then they just lose at home. It, it I I feel bad for Bill O'Brien. I like him. I like Deshaun Watson. I've got nothing against JJ Watt, but there's there's something right in the world and I feel like secure in my being in this whatever this is called. And I'm I was just happy to see that we're we're keeping the tradition alive. Keeping it alive. And you're right. They're almost if if the Cowboys are America's team and people like want to see them win and stuff, it's like Houston's like kind of the the antithesis, which is like. so weird because I have nothing against them. I have nothing against the city of Houston. There's I I when I watch them during the season, I usually pull for them, but in that game, it's like I need to see them lose. I can't explain it. Oh, <laughs> and it, it it's satisfying. And the funny thing is too. You almost have, like, it's it's so American because then you have the kind of comeback story of luck, you know, coming back from that injury. The sure. Colts started the season one and five. They're they're the Rocky of the AFC um, playoffs. Right. Right. Rocky, in America, Rocky wins. <laughs> That's what we do in America. We win. It's incredible. Yeah, and I'm glad you touched on Andrew Luck and the Colts coming back from one and five to start the season and just completely going like nine and uh, winning nine out of ten going into the playoffs as hot as it can be I don't think they'll do much more damage especially going into Kansas City but uh, awesome storyline from their perspective as well yeah and the thing I didn't expect I didn't expect the Colts to the, the basically the biggest piece of this game was their running game which yeah they like, dominated it I guess their their own line they hadn't had um, all the starters playing together throughout the season until like now they got reunited again but anyway yeah that draft drafting Quentin Nelson their left guard um top five draft pick that was a huge pickup for them turned out well definitely and uh just while we're here on this uh before we move on to the the Hawks and the boys um I just want to give a shout out to DeAndre Hopkins uh he donated his entire uh playoff game check to the family of a seven-year-old girl, Jasmine Barnes, who's, like, randomly gunned down in Texas. Um, this guy just, like, pulled up beside their car. There's no indication that they did anything to provoke him and just kind of opened fire. And so he donated his entire paycheck to that family. Um, Terrible. Shout out to him for, for that. Awesome. Awesome deed. I think Watt might have had something to do with that as well. Yeah. Usually. Um, yeah, big shout-out to both those guys. That's terrible terrible but at least uh you know athletes doing something positive which i'm always, right. always uh in support of so right and then hawks going hawks and the, the cowboys yeah the other playoff game going down in texas last night the great state of texas um i i i had picked the seahawks to win that game i it's hard for me to pick jason garrett and dak prescott to really do anything in the playoffs but they looked decent. They did just enough to win. I don't know what happens if Janikowski stays healthy at the end of that half there, pulling his hamstring in just the most Janikowski way ever. <laughs> and uh, But good win for the Cowboys at home. I think they'll get routed either against the Rams or the Saints, whoever they face next. Uh, kind of shocked. I was looking at stats this morning of the Seahawks, and that was the first time that they had been – that the Carroll and Wilson Seahawks had lost in the wild card round. They'd, they were yep. like – some ridiculous stat about just winning their first playoff game um so that streak came to an end but i think overall the the seahawks definitely overachieved this year i don't think they were supposed to even be in the playoffs so 
uh, a successful season for them. I'm sure they're disappointed, but a lot to build off of for sure moving forward. Yep, and so I have that to look forward to for the next week. Uh, whenever the Seahawks lose up here, people just are upset. Yeah, they're always upset. They're just looking for something to complain about up there. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I will say, much... I will, uh, as traditional as the Texans are for losing on that Saturday wildcard round, there's nothing more traditional than the Seahawks fans losing and then their fans complaining about how much smarter they are than every coach in the Seahawks locker room. It's incredible. Yeah. They just Everybody up there is the smartest offensive coordinator ever. And I will give it to them. Sometimes their play calling can be pretty predictable, a.k.a. when they go run, run, pass for like 19 series in a row. It's kind of <laughs> annoying. You should let your Hall of Fame quarterback have a little bit more freedom. But every literally every male that I've met in Seattle, Washington, is smarter than the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. No matter who the team is, what year it is, they're all smarter. It's It's really fun to watch. That's why I never go to the bars to watch games. It's a good call and so true. Yeah. So uh, true. I mean, I, I'm every fan base has those people, but it just seems like per capita Seahawks fans are all just the next fucking Lincoln Riley, Cliff Kingsbury, whoever you want to put into that. It's incredible. I think maybe it's because they've had such like before the the modern era, they'd had such bad luck before that it was easy to say, you know, that they were <laughs> they were smarter than the other coaches because the team was just like losing and you know, bathing in mediocrity or, you know, slightly below par. But uh, now that they're winning, they're still just carrying through with that, saying that they know more than the coach win. Yeah, I didn't know 300,000 Sean McVeigh's lived in the King County <laughs> area, but here we are. Now, you know, if any NFL team out there is looking to hire, just yeah, come up just to King County. Go to Pike Place and you'll pick out a Sean McVeigh. <laughs> so, uh,. uh Outside of those two, we're looking ahead at uh, Chargers-Ravens and Eagles-Bears. Right. You want to make it interesting and uh, two picks off the top of your head? We can just go money line on it. Yeah. I'll, pr- I'll preface yeah, I'll it. it. I'll preface yeah. it. Tommy is big on the Ravens. Yeah, Breaking same here. News. No, okay. Tommy's yeah, big on the Ravens. Yeah, I'm glad you page. are. Big. Yep. Like I've been getting a lot of heat from saying that. Because I feel like the Ravens haven't been getting enough credit this year, especially with a rookie quarterback, and I get that. Their offense can mm-hmm. kind of be shaky at times and, and maybe not as solid as you'd want going to the playoffs. But that's a Super Bowl defense. That's what Definitely. I'll say. Definitely. And I think, I don't know, you have as much um, – for me, I have as much questions about Lamar Jackson as Phillip Rivers. You know, it's just right. like who – you know, which w- – which one's going to perform today? Right. So you know when you have both those the, both those offenses where you're like look at history. They have a, yeah, they could have a great game, they could have a bad game, um, and then it just falls to the defense. So yeah, you're right. Ravens, I've got them over the Chargers. Definitely, you know what makes me feel even better home. about? I'm with you 100. You know what makes me feel even better about the Ravens pick? I was reading this article for some reason. Somebody put a microphone in front of Carson Palmer, and I'm not sure why we're doing that anymore since he's no longer in the league. <laughs> I I never needed to hear what he had to say, especially now that he's not a quarterback in the NFL. He was saying that every team in the NFL or every team in the playoffs could win the Super Bowl except for one, and it was the Ravens. So I'm like, that's you should throw every cent you've ever earned on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl this year. That's the <laughs> that's all I needed to hear was Carson Palmer picking against the Ravens. There you go. That made that made me feel good inside. Definitely. Anyways, that's and- my little mini rant on Carson Palmer. 
Yeah, and it's just like the Ravens have had teams before that basically just won off of <laughs> defense. Yeah, why? Else. Why is it that Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl? I think Lamar exactly. ja- Lamar Jackson's a Heisman winner. <laughs> I know he's like a little prone to run, and who knows? But like, but Tommy, he's supposed least, to be a wide receiver, though. Why? Because he's black, and a lot of older white people don't like to see a black quarterback running the football. Correct, correct, sir. I was it, man. He was a video game in college. I know that doesn't always translate to the NFL, but God, there's a, there's some pedigree there. That's nice. Definitely, and you know, a lot of times NFL teams have trouble um, during a mobile quarterback's first year. You know, just yeah. figuring that out. Look at look at Kaepernick. Look what he did his first sure. year that he was really starting in the league. Same same type deal. You know, took the took the Niners all the way there, <laughs> or uh, yeah, all the way to the Super Bowl. Right to lose and, to um, our Ravens. To the Ravens, yeah, yeah. Based on some shady stuff, you know, uh, power going out at halftime. I don't want to hear that, that pass interference theory. call at the end. Uh, I don't need to hear pass San interference call. A hard it was, in, it was pass interference. <laughs> I forgot you are a Niners fan. Oh, are you still uh, hoping for Trent Dilfer's prediction of Kaepernick becoming the greatest quarterback of all time to come true? Thoughts? <laughs> Talk I mean, about would, that. that would, I love it? Well. Would, would I love it? Would I love actually it? now it, that's more complicated <laughs> and yes I would love that based off yes. of some other things but for 49ers fans it doesn't really mean a whole lot at this point no not at this point and and not a great prediction um but hey if it happened I would it would just like make my year if Colin Kaepernick came back like won the NFL MVP Super Bowl and then just to watch so many people Still watch the NFL, even though they've said 47 million thousand mm-hmm. times that they would stop watching the NFL if players were still allowed to kneel or if Kaepernick was allowed to play again and stuff like that. It just oh, it make me so happy. So happy. Do you think if Kaepernick came back, he would receive the same type of treatment as Jackie Robinson when he was breaking into the MLB <laughs> or worse? I, I would – it couldn't probably be worse because I'm sure – I don't know. I, I mean, I'm sure Robinson thought that his life was on the line many times yeah. during that. I'm not yeah. sure if Kaepernick would. I mean, sure, there are crazy people out there, but I don't think. I think I think the difference is when Robinson was doing that, a quote-unquote regular person could have killed him. You know, whereas True. now it would have to be like a crazy, you know, kind of super know. Out there in the woods, guy. You've driven on I forty before. In the country, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of sketchy out there, out in the Def- wilderness. <laughs> Definitely, and there are yeah. a lot of back roads like that. Right, shout out to the back roads. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. shout out from a far, far, far away. I'll give him a shout out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. through a through a looking glass. Hey, that's our demographic, Tommy. Don't you fucking? <laughs> I love all people. But just don't hurt anybody, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless they deserve it. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, okay, and then the afternoon night game tonight, NBC. I love this matchup. I feel like it's just two like NFL dynasties. If it, if there was like a rivalry or like traditional matchups in the NFL, like they're on college, I feel like this would be one of them. The Philadelphia Eagles travel to frigid, frozen tundra of Soldier Field, Chicago Bears. Chicago has the biggest. They're the biggest favorite team this weekend. I think they're minus six last time I checked. 
But yeah, they are. Nick Foles and all of his wizardry and magic is coming into town, and you know what that means. It means the Bears are, go- are going to dominate. <laughs> wow, not feeling the love, huh? Not feeling the uh, city of brotherly <laughs> nope. love? Wow. Definitely not. Nope. That's no uh, fun. That's no fun. We're talking fun. about defenses. We're talking about young quarterbacks, and we've got both those for the Bears. And I just yeah, but Mitch Trubisky is not Lamar. I am not on the Mitch Trubisky train. No, he's not. He's not the same. But with that defense, I just, I just think he'll be able to manage the game, get it done. Yeah, I think his defense does enough for him that you know, hand the ball off, some play action, some screens. That's all he really has to do. Probably the under. Definitely. Just don't make any huge mistakes, and you're going to win the game, probably. So I don't know. What if Foles comes out and just big play after big play? Mm. You're not seeing it? Mm. I'm not seeing it. Not All against right. the Bears' defense. Nope. They've got too much momentum. They're at home. Uh, no. It's not happening. Definitely not. Um, Kind of off topic, but sort of on the same topic. All right. I got you locked in for the Bears. I'll take I'll take Philly. For the sake of fun. Um, so, did you see that Mike Mayock is... This is kind of related to Khalil Mack going to Chicago. Did you see that Mike Mayock is going to the Raiders as a GM? No, I didn't. Yeah, so the f- if you're not familiar with Mike Mayock, he's a ESPN personality who's like... His main deal, what he gets paid for is draft breakdowns and like pro- projecting where college players are going to end up in the NFL draft. And John Gruden, the coach of the Raiders, was working for ESPN for a while as a commentator in between coaching stints. And so now, after a pretty dismal first season for the Raiders and drafting, or trading away rather, their future NFL defensive lineman in the prime of his career to get a bunch of draft picks, Oakland went out and got Mike Mayock to try to make sure that they hit their draft picks this year, which they have, I think, like two or three first round draft picks that they need to absolutely nail. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Curious We've to see what your full thoughts are. Full money ball in the NFL. <laughs> um, trust yeah. the process, baby. <laughs> I I hated this move from day one, but maybe they'll uh, prove me wrong in the long run. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out. You know, it's always a gamble to um, trade away. You know, bird in hand, two in the wild. That's a saying for a reason, I guess. But um, yeah, it's interesting to see if this whole kind of money ball um, strategy works out for the Raiders. I don't know. I mean, you know, the Patriots kind of do that, but not to this extreme because they've never really had to tank. You know, you know, they're no, like always they win, they're always they at the divisions. top. <laughs> yeah, they just win their division every year. Yeah, so this is this this will be interesting to see if the whole tanking, trading away top players for draft picks and trying to build from the the ground up um, works out in Oakland slash Vegas. So, are they for sure going to Vegas? And why do I keep hearing otherwise? Um, they're for sure going to Vegas. Okay. I mean, they're not building that stadium for nothing. So okay. it's. You I mean, know, it might I, be. It's it, Vegas. Yeah, that's that's true. You know, there's always money laundering in Vegas, right? And you know, what better way to do that than a billion dollar stadium, um, multi billion? Gotta wash. Gotta wash that money. Yep. Gotta wash it somehow. And, I'm not uh, saying that they would do that, but somebody. Yeah, say that. I mean. I mean, it's not like in Vegas we've completed, uh, you know, billion-dollar hotels 80% of the way. And then Just to like, knock oh, them down. Nope. Ran out of money. Um, shut it down. <laughs> I actually, uh, one of the guys that uh, I've 
been acquainted with. He used to work for um, Clark County Fire there in Vegas, and uh, he was saying that they, they would let them train. The hotel I'm talking about, if you're not familiar with it, is the Fountain Blue. They, I think there's another one in Miami, but they built a second one in Vegas, got it 80% completed, rent out money for the project, and it just sat Classic. there. Yep, and he was saying that what a great resource it was for them because it was just basically a multi-million, if not billion-dollar training drill ground. Tower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, yeah, full working standpipe system. Yeah. Oh my, elevator, elevators, elevator rescues. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's incredible. Yeah. So he was just well. Saying shout what out I, the city of Las Vegas and Clark County for supporting their first responders. <laughs> Absolutely. What other what shout, other city has shout done out to that? The mob. <laughs> I'm always on that train. Yeah. So. Until I'm not. <laughs> Anything else on NFL? Or are we good there? Uh, I feel like I was gonna follow up question that, but uh, it slipped my mind. I guess. I w- uh, no, I think I'm good. Fantastic. Um, we do have a big matchup on Monday night that's college football related. The yeah. 79th installment of the Clemson Tigers <laughs> taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California, to yeah. determine the college football national champion. Not to be confused with North Dakota State. Shout out for them winning the 18th consecutive back back. championship uh, yesterday against Eastern Washington. Congrats to both programs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to watch it. And really? I'm not going to watch it. Are you protesting? Yeah. Not protesting. It's just I don't, I wow. don't care. No way. Care. Yeah, don't. I didn't don't, know that. Don't really care. You don't like good things. Yeah, I mean, it's boring. I don't know. It's that's, just running it back again and again and wow. again and again and again and again. again, again it's again, not again, though. It's again, a different again, team. It is a different team, but it's it just is the same colors. Team. It's like Seinfeld. <laughs> you don't you don't root for a team. You root for the color. That's what Seinfeld yeah. said. So it must be true. Completely different players. I need some parody. Oh. I need some parody in my life, oh. Tommy. You I got it. You got it in the uh, playoffs in the uh, first in the semifinals. Well, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah. Kind of Notre Oklahoma. Dame things. And you Notre did Oklahoma. Dame. I guess that was. Yeah, that was pretty similar mm. actually. Yeah, pretty similar. If Mackenzie Milton, dude. First off, if Mackenzie oh, Milton did man. not get injured, they would have beat LSU. Should we talk about that. They would have beat LSU. And yeah, they should have been in the national target. If in a in an alternate universe where he didn't get injured and hopefully his leg's doing okay. He's had yeah, like that was seven a serious injuries injury. or something. Yeah, he was in the hospital or still in the hospital. Really scary. Yeah. Oof. Like blood clot said not, problems. Said they're not ruling him out for next year. But anyway. I um, think that he needs to take care of his health first and then worry about football. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But yeah, just not interested. Um Wow. Alabama gonna win? Yep, Alabama's gonna win. So whatever. Wow, incredible! Uh, back to UCF. I yeah, th- I think they would have beaten LSU, but what does that um, what does that do? They beat a three loss. I mean, it just SEC it just team. shows that they sh- that they should have been considered, but then uh, you know before previous to the injury when right. everybody was saying there's no possible way that they're going to make it. I mean, and they, they got to challenge themselves. There. I mean, I like him. I root for him. I like Mackenzie Milton. I like Josh Heupel. But you got to do more in your non-conference schedule. Just that's just the way I it agree. Is. I agree. I agree. But e- even without that, they, they were undefeated for 
how two, many games? You uh, know, well, like all of last two, season. two whole years. Right. That's incredible. They, they won incredible. their bowl game last year. Not taking anything away from them. Returning a lot of the same players. So it's like, you know, once you see that they're performing at a similar level to what they did last year, then you should at least consider them. They should at least be in the conversation and shouldn't be like an impossibility when they're calculating the percentages of teams getting, you know, chosen for the playoff and they're like at 1.2%, even though they're undefeated heading into, you know, the 11th, 12th, 13th week of yeah, the season. It's not a perfect system, but it's the system we have right now. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. I mean, I guess we're always going to complain. Because back when there wasn't a playoff, everybody's complaining. Exactly. And, that and was – right. Yeah. I, I've been hearing people were like, oh, we need eight teams. I'm like, there's still going to be teams on the bubble that are going to complain. Like, we have 68,000 teams that get selected for the tournament in March, and there's still 20 teams that are arguing and – are on the bubble and say that they should get in. So you, no one's ever going to be happy, or yeah. not everyone's going to be happy. Here's what we shouldn't do: no more Notre Dame. <laughs> no more Notre Dame. <laughs> That's been thrown around a lot. I think Notre Dame needs to just take a timeout and be like, "All right, we we can beat Syracuse, we can beat Boston College, we can beat USC. Sometimes we're not really doing a whole lot of good when it comes to like Alabama on a big stage or Clemson on a big stage." We we need to reevaluate some things here. Yeah, they're just a tier below. Maybe just a self-imposed below. like two-year college football ban, football playoff <laughs> ban. No, not sorry, college football playoff ban. Just a yes, self-imposed exactly. two years. Just put yourself in a corner and a little timeout and just think about what you've done. You win both of those bowl games, not in the college football playoff, and then we'll reconsider you. We will reconsider after two consecutive. New Year's Day bowl game victories. That's my you, deal. You know, it's like it's like when a college coach goes up to the NFL and doesn't have success. Just yeah, send them no back shame down. in coming back down. Yeah, it's like going back to the, back to the minor. Even like uh, the, the greatest hitters in the MLB, you get in a slump, go back down to AAA, hit sixty-five home work. runs in like one series. Right, take some practice cuts, and then go back up. There's no shame in that. The only shame is if you pretend like it's not real. Exactly. Exactly. Got it. There's a clear divide. There's a Happens clear in the divide. dating game too. Yep, you got. You have to be honest with yourself. Have to. So yeah, here's and, a here's and a fun little. Did you hear the the coach in Notre Dame's like, ah, no, it wasn't a talent difference. It was uh, Brian Kelly. Stra- strat- <laughs> yeah, strategy. no, it was <laughs> no. That was nice of him to say that, but I think that was a diplomatic thing to say. I, I if I was saying during the game, if Notre Dame played their very best game and Clemson played at like fifty percent, I still think it's like a two two score victory by Clemson. Definitely. I mean Clemson in the in in between the tackles is just fucking so good, so filthy, just a, a, a tier above. Just just a different different animal. And then out on the skill players, quarterback, just kind of everywhere dominated that, that game. Definitely. Notre Dame frankly had no business being on the same field as Clemson, and that's coming from a Notre Dame fanboy. Yeah. What what was uh more embarrassing, this loss or um the Lonnie Kakua saga. Oh man! Well, the Lonnie Kakua saga was also paired with a forty-five fourteen drudging in the national championship in South Florida <laughs> in true. front of the in front of the world. So I think just <laughs> the wine pairing of Lonnie Kakua faking her death, his death, Manti Te'o, and then letting AJ McCarron just wipe the floor with Notre Dame. I think that hurt more. At least this was like a semifinal game. 
still yeah. awful, obviously, but yeah, that whole that whole week that was a rough week for the Golden Domers. <laughs> and do you think so? What do you think happened in the line? Not to mention, I think Declan Sullivan died that year too, which was not a good look for Notre Dame. Oh, the yeah. f- the filmer, yeah, we, we don't talk about that a whole lot, and I don't mean to bring that up, but when he went up in that scissor lift to film practice in like sixty five yeah. mile per hour winds, yeah, it was not yep. good. Yeah, I remember program. UNLV. It, uh, I was I was at UNLV at the time, and uh, I had one of the guys who was like, you know, water boy or whatever, was talking about how they had to stop doing that because of of that death. Because yeah, they were doing I've the been same up, thing. Right, I've been yeah. up in those scissor lifts before. They are very unstable. It would not be fun to be up there in like a ten mile per hour wind, let alone what was going on in South Bend. Sorry to get distracted. Yeah, and you know nobody's like, y- you know, it's a f- it's a football team. Nobody out there is like, yeah, I read up on the uh, manual here for this here scissor lift, <laughs> and uh, judging by me licking my finger and holding it in the air, we are exceeding yeah. the maximum uh, crosswind uh, mile no. per hour by uh, 3.5. No. Uh, yeah. no, that's get your no. ass in that lift and film this all 22 because we got a 9 on 7 coming up, so let's get yeah. this going. Yeah, it's windy. Stop being a pussy. Get up yeah, there. That's how that conversation went. Exactly. Uh, and then he died. Yeah, terrible and yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't i don't mean to bring that up again but that that incident sure went away quick yeah super must have quick. been a nice handsome payout for his family they don't call it the golden dome for no reason <laughs> anyway sorry i got sidetracked on such a <laughs> negative topic jesus yeah where were we going oh lani kakua what do you think happened there what what do you think that was do you think do you Let think mantateo really got catfished do you think Manteo was using Lonnie Kaku as a beard? What happened? Can I preface this? Is Manteo is he Mormon by chance? Um, I will have that information shortly. You, Continue on. You know how the Mormons, Samoa, Hawaii, they go over there and do their yeah, LDS yep, BYU Hawaii, Saints. right? Yep. That big connection. I don't know. I'll probably lose some Mormon followers here by that take, so I'll wait to hear the results of that um, research. But, no, I think he honestly got catfished. I think maybe he lived such a sheltered, kind of strange life and so immersed in sports and athletics that he wasn't fully aware of the dangers of Internet dating and completely got got and made a fool in front of the nation, in front of the world, in front of his family and friends. Just an embarrassment and, to his and team. And he is Mormon. Okay, well, say goodbye to some of our Mormon followers, but I think <laughs> it, that might have played a factor in it and maybe just being a little naive and trusting what a, an internet female follower friend who turned out to not be real. I think he got got, and I think it was <laughs> I think it was true. I think every second of it was true. Pretty embarrassing. But thankful he's... He's six foot three, two hundred and sixty pounds, and plays linebacker in the NFL. So I think that's about the only remedy for that situation. Yeah, and apparently the girl he's dating currently, um, he's upgraded from the catfish. Um, I mean, I yeah. would. You got. I mean, you're a millionaire NFL linebacker. You were like a five star, all world everything in high school. You were the all everything at Notre Dame. You had a little hiccup with the Lonnie Kakua situation, but at the end of the day, you're still a millionaire San Diego. Or where is he now? Is he New Orleans? Uh, no. New Orleans, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, it's still a pretty good little dating resume to put on the old Tinder app. D- 
definitely. And um, do they have a dish in South Bend that is a catfish di- dish named <laughs> Lonnie Kakua? Um, if it's not in South Bend, then it might be in Ann Arbor, Michigan, or yeah, somewhere <laughs> else that they play. Yeah, or whenever Notre Dame comes to town, I think the local fishery, the fish distributors, fish purveyors probably put that on the menu and mark oh, it up. I mean, I would, just in the spirit of competition. You have to. If, if you if you were a restaurant owner and you're any any like shade of a sports fan, you need and you have a catfish dish. That's a layup. And you're yeah, th- come on. That's Get a layup. You mark that thing up 50%, you're raining in the money that weekend. Definitely. Any other bowl games that uh, caught your fancy or uh, you know, were interesting to you? For all the wrong reasons, I feel like I just have to talk about this based on just being a good person. That TCU-Cal game, I think it's talking about self-imposing bands. I think both of those programs <laughs> need to sit out a year and think about what they've done. <laughs> the cheese it bowl in Phoenix, Arizona. It was, I think it was December 26th. I think it was that day. I think it was right after Christmas. Incredible. Yeah. Just nine interceptions combined. And just a, just a, it was one of those games that it's just, it can't get any worse with like six picks. And then, it, oh, wait for it. It gets way worse. It was so bad. And then for some unforeseen reason to win the game in regulation, TCU just, inexplicably changes their kicker who's been their solid kicker all year i feel like there was some shady things going on they pulled their kicker Uh, plot twist that new kicker missed the field goal and then in overtime they kicked the the original kicker they put him back in genius call he makes the field goal (laughs) to win the game and then uh they stormed the field like they just liberated France and i just it was incredible <laughs> i don't know what how do you think you can celebrate that game the only way you celebrate that game is just it's a moment of or an hour of silence you get on the plane you fly back to texas christian you never watch that game film you don't raise a banner you don't get a che- you don't eat cheese it's for a year <laughs> you frankly just shouldn't be allowed to play football ever again and i love uh gary patterson i love the horn frogs for the most part but Golly, that was embarrassing. Definitely. A little shady, point shaving. Who knows what's happening? Maybe somebody had a big overtime bet. I don't know what was going on, but the kicker. Yeah, that was our one a little strange. That was our one playoff game of the bowl season, and it was that yeah. game. Incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um other, than, oh, other pl- than that, I liked uh, Washington State, Iowa State. Yeah, great um, game. Good job for the Keeks. Yeah, and then uh what? What's your opinion on Harbaugh and what's going on there? Because I think he's not good. Yeah, <laughs> and not a lot so, of people will like to hear that. Yeah, has he has he just has the game passed him by? Um, what what's happening that he's not having the success that he? I don't know. I don't people know expect of him that we've come to. He, yeah, I will say the expectations when you pay somebody like him that amount of money and his name comes to town after all the success he's had, you want immediate results, and you expect nothing less than championship or yeah championships, and you got to beat Ohio State like half the time at least. But he's mm-hmm. just been getting owned by Ohio State. He's getting embarrassed when he's facing top ranked teams, and these losses aren't like nail biters. They're like 
wiping the floor with you. They're not good losses. Not that there are good losses, but there are such things as like close losses. Mm-hmm. Not good. I mean, the expectations are through the roof, and he hasn't delivered. And that just goes to show you that Notre Dame shouldn't have been in the the playoff because Michigan only lost to them by a touchdown on the road. But anyway, yeah, yeah n- Florida, you know, a team that was never in conversations no. for the college football playoff, and they just smoke them. Just blow Not them even out. close. Crazy. Um, I don't know. Prop bet for you. Okay. Over under two years, we see Urban Meyer on the sideline of a college football team. Go. Over. Really? Over. Huh. I think he'll. I, th- I think he'll take a for real break now. Like uh, like. Mm, I don't know. Five years. He. Five. I'm gonna say five is the over under point. Still and young. Even even then, I don't know. Maybe he's just made enough money. Had enough stress. He's going to kick it up, go ten toes up. Man. I don't think it's the money. Yeah. I don't think what he has. Think I, don't, I don't think he knows anything else. I don't think he has any other hobbies. I remember yeah. reading do you think about. An, do you think there's an impending um, scandal coming down the pipe that we haven't seen yet? At, at Ohio State, for sure. Yeah. But that follows him everywhere. I don't think he's ever really truly been scared of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, when I was reading about him and his time off after quote-unquote retiring from Florida uh, he was just saying like he was he didn't know what to do with his time off he was miserable he was like I just work out and I like I watch film I don't know what to do and I don't I know he's teaching a class at Ohio State in leadership this coming semester that's pretty cool he's going to be like Mm -hmm. the associate athletic director that seems productive but I think that's got a shelf life and I don't know what else he Maybe he'll take like a coordinator position, but I don't think I think he's too type A to sit back like that. Everyone's What's kinda uh, saying what are the odds that we see an Urban Meyer uh, presidential run? He could be the mayor of Columbus pretty quickly. Whenever so the next election up. is. Maybe he's gearing up. Maybe he's, he's doing tired that. of leading at a smaller scale and he wants to lead at the big scale. I think that would be I think politics would be less stressful for him than college football recruiting and coaching on saturday afternoons yeah i mean it might be might be i like sure. i wish i, I mean, trump's I allowed to golf 48 <laughs> times a year or however many he's he's done it but yeah like i want him to be healthy obviously and i spend time with family and friends but i think there's some in like some of these coaches they just don't that's all they've been doing their whole life is either playing or coaching and once both of those are over they don't really like as soon as Paterno was done, he moved mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Curious yeah, I think about that. that plays out. I think about that because Tom Osborne was the big uh, Nebraska coach for many years. Sure. And then he did the, I think he was senator or House of Representatives. One of the two became that. I feel like director, all that stuff. But you could tell. And he was older, you know, or like you're saying, Meyer's super young. And so maybe we'll see him back. I just, I hope we don't, personally, because <laughs> I'm not, not a fan. No, not we're a not. fan of Urban Meyer. We so. broke him down, uh, I think, probably back in August in his handling mm-hmm. of the Zach Smith situation. So he's no, by no means a moral compass. But Definitely not. It's just football running through his veins. So I'll see what he does with his time off. Yeah. You think he steps up to the NFL or? 
I think that's, that's a, a good question. Uh, I'd say it's a possibility. I don't. Th- I think it's unlikely, but I wouldn't completely rule it out. Yeah. I, th- I, in a weird way, I kind of think the NFL is possibly less stressful. Uh, and the reason why I say that is just due to the recruiting factor. Like you're mm-hmm. recruiting in college year round. It, even when there's quote unquote like times when you shouldn't be talking to recruits, you're still, you're still doing something, and you need to recruit in order to have a good product on the field. And so maybe in the NFL where it's obviously still demanding, but maybe not 24-7-365. Yeah. And you're dealing with grown men. I mean, they act like children sometimes, but at least yeah, th- sort th- of And that's expected. the difference too, because in college, you know, it's, it's do as I say or else pretty much. And then in the NFL, it's more like, that's well, true. I am a I am a grown man, so you're not going right, to talk to me right. that way. <laughs> and I think that's why Saban struggled when he moved up to the NFL. So just because you have success in college doesn't mean it's going to translate to the NFL. Absolutely. Let's move on to have you seen, and I'm sure you have, the LeBron interview where he says, and that's when I became the greatest of all time. Um, I, yeah, I read about it and yeah, so he, he was, he was in an interview and they were talking about winning the title in 2016 and, um, he basically said that's what solidified his position as the goat. Yeah. Now, a lot of people have taken issue with that. Myself included. Uh, so go ahead. Let me, let me hear what your issue is with that statement. Um, First and foremost, I don't know why he always has to compare himself to Jordan 24-7. And it's not always just him. I mean, everyone's always making that argument. But why can't he just be LeBron and be the best LeBron and the best of his generation? I think the two don't necessarily overlap because they didn't play in the same time period. They're two different types of players. Jordan has the six rings, which I don't think LeBron will ever achieve. LeBron's done things that Jordan never did. I think they're two different types of players, and they're both the greatest of their generation. Definitely, and that's what I was going to say. It's hard to compare apples and oranges. Uh, the the NBA is a completely different league from the time when Jordan played. And from there, it's a completely different time when Jordan played than it was when Wilt Chamberlain played, uh, so on and so forth. It's just it, – you can't compare the two. The league's completely evolved and is completely different, and basketball's almost just not even the same, the same environment that it was back in Jordan's day. The – the super teams, everybody, the kind of collusion. There's a lot of collusion in the NBA where people are talking to other superstars at other teams, and that's another thing LeBron got in trouble for with Davis is, you know, trying to influence them to leave their current team, come over here, play for less money. We didn't really see a lot of that in the old days. Um, and then in addition to the style play, you know, it's, people say it's not as physical on defense, all this mm-hmm. stuff. It's – you, there are just so many different variables that you can't even compare the two. So, Right, and I think Jordan also, when he was playing, I don't think basketball was as popular and international as it was, and I think he completely transcended the sport into a global product, which it is today, and launch, launching the Jordan brand and all the things that he did during his career off the court, I think mm-hmm. kind of put LeBron in the place he he allowed LeBron to be who LeBron is not just on the court, but off the court and being able to 
venture into other business adventures outside of the court and do like TV stuff like that. I don't think that necessarily wouldn't be possible without Jordan uh, paving the way for that. Definitely. And in almost any industry, sports or otherwise, you know, people are always standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, right. somebody came before them, paved the way for them to be able to do what they're doing right now. And, you know, LeBron, LeBron's doing some things that will probably open up avenues for people in the future. I think he's been much more um, politically active than mm-hmm. any other yeah. NBA player before. True. I don't Maybe think Jordan ever spoke. open up avenues. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Jordan ever dabbled in politics, anything like that. Jordan Here's was the issue that I have gambling, with drinking, yeah. cigar smoking <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Here's the issues I have with the whole statement. I have issues with people taking issue with this. Um, <laughs> well said. <laughs> well said. You, I just don't know what people expect from somebody who has achieved that level of greatness. You don't expect them to think in their own mind that they're the best of all time. You're telling me you don't think Kobe Bryant thinks he was the greatest of all time. Still thinks that. Yeah, still. Kobe probably still thinks he could lace up today and beat LeBron one-on-one. Yeah, Just and that's why we know, love Kobe, a, or you hate him, but that's why like, you have such strong emotions. It's like a terrible Toby Keith song. Um, I'm not <laughs> as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Brilliant. <laughs> song and it's of just, a generation. <laughs> yeah, if we, uh, yeah. Don't Toby Keith. That's Believe it or not, I heard Toby Keith's not that great live. Believe that or not. <laughs> you're kid. You're kidding me. I'm Shocker. not. I hate to break the news to you. Yeah, I think when I was Sorry. leaving Vegas, he was like opening up a strip club there or something. But anyway, <laughs> you're gonna say he was like starting a residency, but nope. That he's doing exactly what you think Toby Keith would be doing in Las Vegas. Or maybe maybe it was just like a burger joint. I don't know. It's, a co- it's a combination. <laughs> yeah. We got Shout two rooms, the folks. Shout out to the steaks at Treasures in Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, big big shout out. But uh, yeah, it's just expect LeBron to think he's the greatest because he is one of the greatest. Whether or not he's the greatest is debatable, but expect him to think that. Of course he thinks he's the greatest. That's how you get to be the greatest. Right. You don't get to be the greatest by having doubts about your abilities and skills and thinking that people can be better than you. You have you get to be the greatest by having an underlying just like rock solid belief in your abilities, your talents and your potential. So right. not surprised. Don't be don't be mad when people say that. So whatever. Yeah, I'm still like I mean, my playing di- not to compare my playing days to LeBron's obviously set that apart. But like, there's still things that I think that I was way better than that I maybe wasn't as good at, and like still th- people that I was like way that I thought I was way better than that I maybe wasn't as good as, or things that I should have accomplished that maybe weren't really written in the stars for me. And that's coming from me, who not nearly on the same competitive playing field as LeBron James. So yeah. I, definitely agree about the competitiveness and believing in yourself maybe speaking it into truth even though it might not be true or in lebron's case is pretty true definitely i mean and and this may be a good segue but you don't think john jones believes he's the greatest of all time oh man you don't think he can beat anybody in the world at any time 
even yeah, if he's been on a month long coke bender. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's better off on a lunk mon- lunk long oh, Jesus on a w- month long. Wow, I can't say that <laughs> month long coke bender. Why is that's not even an alliteration? <laughs> Have you been on a month long coke bender? <laughs> I sure sound like it. Sure sound like it. Tommy Jesus. just. Uh, Tommy just had Hold the TIA that you get if you go on a month-long coke bender. No kidding. A little transient ischemic <laughs> attack. See, I can say a TIA, but I can't say a month-long coke bender. Go figure. Yeah, look in the mirror. Make sure you have no facial droop. But anyway. Uh, uh, no. I'm and good. on that note, let's take a quick break so I can pee. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so John Jones probably thinks he's the greatest of all time, and he has good reason to believe so. UFC 232, formerly scheduled to be in Las Vegas, ended up being at the Forum there in L.A. Tommy, were you in attendance at the Forum? Uh, Tommy was not in attendance at the Forum. Tommy was actually in the great city and state of Seattle, Washington, during the time of that event. I was protesting California. Excellent. Excellent. You're protesting John Jones. John Jones came to L.A. Tommy said, I'm leaving. (laughs) I do not stand for this. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. I will not be complicit. I will not support this. I will not support the state of California during this difficult time. Thank you for your respect. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Tommy protesting the great state of California. Um, Before we get to all the shenanigans, let's just look at the fights um just the pure fights for a sec and then we'll address the shenanigans because um the fights were good i I liked a lot of the fights um one of my favorites probably to start off was uh volkanovsky alexander volkanovsky versus oh yeah chad money mendez oh yeah oh boy was tommy happy about that result (laughs) yeah and um there's now rumors floating around that chad mendez will retire after this fight. Oh man, um, what a shame that would be. What a shame. <laughs> what a loss to fighting fans <laughs> everywhere. I'm just kidding. He was a good fighter. He was a good fighter. Definitely I didn't like a good him. fighter. Didn't like his team, um, didn't like the steroid use, didn't like just his overall demeanor and presence, but he was a good fighter. Definitely a good fighter. Um you know, did ha- had a lot of great fights in the UFC. The the rematch um, between him and Jose Aldo is one of my favorite fights of yeah. all time. Yeah, definitely. Um, just an absolute war. He gave Conor McGregor all he could handle on 10 days' notice um, for the first, what was it, two rounds, two, round and a half? Yeah, two, two and a half maybe. Yeah, and um, just I think it uh, an issue of either um, father time coming and paying Mr. Mendez a visit or uh, the fact that he didn't have his – special magic psoriasis uh, skin cream and you know that might have been uh a reason for his decline because there were obviously was a little bit of decline there um and even with that decline he was still catching uh volkanovsky with some decent counters in the first round but then that young gun volkanovsky man he uh he looks like a beast um yes that was a great fight. wrestling wrestling looked great um counter wrestling being able to just he just very calm when mendez did get the takedown moved right to the fence just scooted his way over there and got up beautiful um the pressure that he was putting on mendez uh, he got mendez to crack which is extremely impressive and uh the cardio was there all that so 
Volkanovski looks like a force to be reckoned with at the featherweight division, um, which is good because Max Holloway's kind of cleared it. So I would like to see Volkanovski um, possibly get one more fight against maybe a Frankie Edgar, against maybe a Brian Ortega, maybe a Hanato Moicano, and then uh, I, actually I would I would rather not see him fight Moicano. I would rather see. Um, Moicano try and fight somebody else so that way they have a secondary contender um, instead of eliminating two contenders. Um, eliminate somebody that Holloway has already fought um, and then possibly get a fight against Holloway, which I think could be interesting given Volkanovski's uh, wrestling, but I'm never going to doubt Max ever, ever again. Um, yeah, great fight. How dare you doubt Max? No, definitely. Never doubting him ever again. <laughs> Holloway is the man. But uh, your thoughts on the co-main event? Uh, Nunez solidifying Nunez? her yeah. place as the greatest women's mixed mar- martial artist of all time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, not going to lie, I was a little surprised just seeing the dismantling that Cyborg has done to every opponent she's ever faced. But um, also not terribly surprised because Nunez is just a warrior, an animal in there, and uh, always rises to the occasion. Great fighter, consummate professional. Um, couldn't have happened to a a better woman in the, the mixed martial artist game. Definitely. And um, just it, it became very apparent in the first couple minutes just how – first minute is 50 seconds um, – <laughs> But just how much faster and more precise the strikes coming from Nunez were. And it they just kind of... G- go ahead. I was going to say, do you think Cyborg is considered a polished fighter? She is. She's considered she polished is. and technical. Um, yeah. I don't... I think this was a lapse in mental judgment. Because... Um, because we've seen video of Cyborg going toe-to-toe with Clar- Clarissa Shields, who's, like, one of the best, if not, you know, the best female boxer currently out there. And Cyborg was holding her own in that case. I, I don't know if it was the Brazilian versus Brazilian thing. I don't know if it was the fact that Cyborg has never really been challenged in her career outside of Gina Carano. Um, and she made mistakes in that fight as, as well. Uh, so I don't know if it's... A mental thing. I mean, it's it's got to be a little bit of a mental hurdle to overcome fighting women that you know you are supposed to beat and just beat handily for years, and then actually facing somebody who could dethrone you in the biggest fight of your life in a, in the first ever women's super fight where two champions from two different divisions are coming together and fighting each other. I mean, it happens. It happens in sports. I mean, look at Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo, one of the greatest featherweights of all time. And, and you know, Max is definitely coming up on him and, and possibly going to take that from him. But his reign was super long. He was finishing people. He was fighting the best that the division had to offer for the longest time. He, he was fighting very smart, very tactically. Um and somebody, something got into his head, and he ran out there at Conor McGregor and threw a left hook with his chin wide open just to start the fight. 
you know it's i i don't know if it's just like the anxiety the expectations or what it is but cyborg did exactly the opposite of what she was supposed to do in that fight amanda nunez has shown that she does not have a very good gas tank if you get her into the later rounds cyborg was obviously the larger stronger woman and therefore could control the range keep her on the outside and instead she just went full vanderlei silva and just went straight in there, just throwing, kind of looping, not necessarily the straightest punches. And Amanda's were just sharper, straighter, and faster, and got to her chin um, more times than Cyborg did. And put her to sleep. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. Um, great fight. I love Joe Rogan's reaction to that fight. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Wow, brilliant. Just pure, unadulterated, organic joy and excitement and enthusiasm and kind of reminded me of why I like Joe Rogan in the first place. Yeah, because sometimes you forget. <laughs> I forget a especially, lot, and especially nowadays. I, I tend to forget a lot about him. But um, Definitely. Th- that one, that was good. That was good to see. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what happens um, with Cyborg's future because that was the last fight on her UFC contract. She's kind of taking a gamble there and not re-signing before this fight um, in hopes that she would win and then be in a position where she would get a huge payday. Um, Mm. That gamble did not pay off for her. And quite honestly, I could see the UFC just kind of like letting her go and then maybe folding the 145 division or just trying to make Megan Anderson the face of the 145 division. <laughs> oh, boy. Which, did you see that fight? Did you see that, that nice toe? Against Kat Zingana? Yeah. Yeah, Ooh. that was brutal. Ooh, just that was, I saw the picture afterwards. That was not good. Yeah. I, eyeball injuries are always rough, man. It's just that's scary. Yeah, that's very scary. not what you want. I, and knowing how tough Kat was, I was very concerned um, when she just like immediately shut down. Yeah, you knew it was serious. Definitely. But So we'll see what happens with 145-pound division with Cyborg's future. Um, with Amanda Nunes, I mean, who is out there for her to fight, really? Um, Going back to Cyborg real quick, does Tito Ortiz still have something to do with her camp training management? He did. I don't know if he still does. I, okay, know I was going to say you probably cut ties with that as soon as you can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it definitely doesn't help her, especially in negotiations. It doesn't help her in the fact that Tito's just kind of embarrassing and out of touch with the <laughs> the times currently in MMA. Um, I know that she was working with Jason Perillo um, a lot in her camps, uh, who has had a lot of success with a lot of other fighters in their boxing. I just I just think it was. Uh, lapse in mental focus or strength from cyborg and i i think the fight is much more interesting if she fights smarter so mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we'll get to see that again people don't really want to see it again which is understandable because why would you want to see uh, a second fight when the first fight was a 50 second blowout um it's just not very enticing but then again nunez doesn't really have anybody else to fight um they're they're it looks like they're going to literally set up a Holly Holm 
uh, the winner of the Holly Holm Aspen Lad fight to be the next contender against Nunez. And Holly Holm has has been beaten so like so many times that it's it doesn't really make sense to see her in, in a title fight again. Even though I love Holly, um, she draws numbers. So we'll see. Right? She does draw numbers. People love her. She's yeah. got a great personality. She's a a tough yeah. fighter and and a good fighter. So she got a personality. Yeah, well, it's it's more than I can say for a lot of the other fighters in sports. I guess. But anyway, and then the main event of the evening. The final fight, if you can call it a fight. Um, John Jones, Alexander Gustafson. Um, if there was any doubt that John Jones didn't really train for the first fight and was on a party bender before it i think that doubt has been eradicated <laughs> now uh john jones came up came to this fight prepared he came to this fight well trained and he came to this fight as the best john jones that i think we've seen so far so your thoughts yeah i don't think i'd ever want to step in i'll humbly state i don't think i want to step in a cage with him anytime soon um no but i don't think he i mean i I secretly wanted, well, not secretly, but I wanted Gustafson to win. I wanted the, just kind of this John Jones disaster of a pre-fight buildup to kind of end and float away. But John Jones did what he does, and that's win and silence the doubters and the haters. And that's just kind of what he does. That's what he's always done, and that's why he is to a lot of people the goat UFC men's fighter. Definitely, and in terms of. His ability to improve from fight to fight, his ability to adapt to things in the cage, he's he's definitely up there. I mean, which is scary. Him, yeah, it, it's very scary, and he's so good at just improving on on all the weaknesses that he had, shoring them up on things that he was already good at, making them sharper, at exploiting what the opponent gives him in the cage. He's just He's fantastic, and it pains me to say that because he's such a fucking terrible human being. Um, <laughs> he really the only is. good I can see coming out of this is if Cormier. If well, no, no, not Cormier. Well, so yeah, that that could be good. If and I'm scared for Daniel. I don't want it to happen because I, I don't, still yeah. don't believe that Daniel, even at heavyweight, even with the knockout power that he he has found at heavyweight, I, I'm still scared because I I don't see John Jones losing. I, I just until he loses, good. yeah. Till he loses, exactly. You know that it's always a possibility, but you know Floyd Mayweather is fifty and 0, 51 and zero. I guess that is an exhibition. But anyway, um, so outside of the Cormier rematch, Cormier just knocking him out and retiring is, you know, one of the greatest fighters of all time, and, and probably the greatest fighter of all time to. Uh, I don't want to say definitely not do steroids, but likely not do steroids because anybody can break my heart nowadays. Um, the only other positive s- scenario I could see is if Greg Hardy somehow becomes this unstoppable force Ooh, that nobody wow. in the heavyweight division can beat, then then we will have John Jones, and at least one of them will lose. One of them. Will <laughs> so lose. One of them has to lose. <laughs> oh, I did not put that together, Mike. That is a excellent. I don't even know what you call that, but that was awesome. Um, 
yeah, that probably two least liked fighters in the UFC today going yeah, at it. Definitely. The only downside yeah. is we'd both be paying it would be we would be paying both of them, putting money in both of their pockets, which is a negative draw. Yeah, unless um shout out to Buff Streams. You know what I'm saying? Uh true, true. <laughs> That's true. I personally won't be donate putting any of my money in any UFC pocket in the near future, but somebody would. And even if it was like somebody. five dollars. Right. Yeah, somebody would. Somebody's Definitely. gonna pay at the gate for that ticket. Definitely. And and it's unfortunate, but that's you know, what puts butts in seats. True. Um, Floyd Mayweather, another you know, oh my gosh, Do, are we going to talk about that disaster in Tokyo or wherever that was? <laughs> yeah, we'll, what we'll get heck? to that after uh, after the the side shenanigans. Uh, so yeah, John Jones. Hopefully, we get a scenario where he loses to Cormier. Um, I don't know what's next for him. It it he obviously wants that fight. He obviously called him out in the post fight. Daddy's home. Not the greatest trash talking, but I'm sure it gets under Cormier's skin. Uh, it has to. Um, it has it to. It has to. So we'll see if that happens. Um, if not, it looks like they're setting up John Jones, Anthony Smith. Huh. Which that's the state of light heavyweight division. That's where we're at now. Um, uh, Ty Tuivasa, uh, <laughs> Andre Orlovsky, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> Roethlisberger. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we'll see what happens with John and his future. So I'm excited. He wants to stay at light heavyweight. I, 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 I hope that Daniel Cormier does not take that. That bait. no. Do not go heavyweight, to light heavyweight. Stay heavyweight, heavyweight or no fight. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. Now on to the shenanigans of oh UFC gosh. 232. Uh, originally scheduled for Las Vegas, Tommy protested, left the state of California after they. M- Moved it to to California. Andy Foster, uh, showing that he has no morals and letting John Jones fight, even though it's very obvious that he failed another drug test. Um, the most elaborate excuse in the history of excuses developed in a lab by Jeff Nowitzki in order to cover John Jones's ass. The golden uh, snitch. The, gold, the golden snitch is not the golden snitch. He right. is not the in golden a, snitch. In a weird plot twist, he actually isn't a snitch at all. He actually helps out. Yeah. He's done the reverse Balco Labs. What's the Balco Labs guy? Um, uh, I should know that. Barry Bonds, Balco. That's a quick Google search. Oh, fuck, man. He had a really shady name that fit his personality. He was in the band Tower of Power. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Was uh, it Victor Conti? Yes, Victor Conte. So yeah. Conte was somebody who helped people um, take performance-enhancing drugs without getting caught and then flipped. Nowitzki has pulled the exact opposite. So he's pulled the the anti-Victor Conte, and he he has gone from somebody who was in the process of catching Lance Armstrong doping to now he is helping people get away with doping. That's un-American. Very, very interesting. It's just crazy interesting. And um, I can't believe people are buying this excuse of the pulsing and the picograms. It's Picogate 2018. Um, so John Jones, if you didn't know, he tested positive before for Turinabal, um at a level of 20 to 80 picograms per milliliter, I believe. 
and then 400 and let me see i have this written down somewhere hold on to put that into context go ahead yeah to put that into context was did i read this right Novisky said that's like a a drop in like an olympic sized swimming pool yes okay yeah i mean that's what he said but i don't necessarily believe that but also, if you just think about uh, dosing and the the proper dose of drug that you would take in the first place, and I'm not as versed on this as I should be, but it's definitely it's definitely less than milligrams. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, it may be a drop in Olympic size swimming pool. But it's pool, potent stuff. But yeah, but in order to take it, you're normally taking like maybe a, a glass of water in an Olympic size swimming pool. So mm-hmm. so to have that drop in your system 485 days later when you originally took a glass of water. I mean, come on. You know, is Yeah. To say that he's not doping. And so the pulsing, they brought out this um pulsing effect. There's only two known studies done on this. Um Novitsky got a lot of the the specifics wrong on rogan's podcast and said a lot of dumbass shit that like obviously he either um didn't read the studies fully or purposely um misconstrued the the details and results of the study in order to benefit the narrative that he was trying to push go Um, figure yeah go figure so in one of the tests where he was talking about how and he was talking about they did this on clomiphene um the pulsing effect happened at a maximum, with all their participants in the study, at 261 days from the time that w- when they were first dosed. So that was the maximum window. John is sitting at 485 days from the alleged time that he took the first dose. So that's almost double the maximum of the pulsing effect in the other studies. So... And, and that was with clomiphene, the 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 drug that John used was different. It's turinabol. Um, clomiphene has a, a halogen attached to it. I was reading all up on all this. So the halogen makes it um, more lipophilic, which means it's more attracted to fat and will attach to your fat cells. Um, and we don't really know if. Turinabol has the same effect because there's not a whole lot of science done on it. But so to say that John Jones, a peak level athlete with a low percentage of body fat, who is constantly turning over his body fat um, because he's constantly working out, burning off fat, and then storing new fat as he, um, you know, eats again or whatever. To say that he's going to have the same pulsing effect in double the time shown in any other study with any other similar drug is is outlandish and then in the one um study where they actually did it with turinabol the estimated detection window for the metabolite that he tested positive for was 40 to 50 days so all the science is pointing towards this not being feasible but yet Jeff Nowitzki has spun it in a way that makes it seem like it's perfectly understandable, reasonable, and acceptable. 
and you just you just can't it it undermines the credibility of Jeff Nowitzki, undermines the credibility of the USADA program, under undermines the credibility of the UFC in general. It's just a bad so, look. It's no good. So this fight was originally supposed to be in Las Vegas, Nevada, right? Correct. So under the stipulations of the Nevada State Athletic Committee, you cannot fight after testing positive like that, and is that the reason why they moved it to California? Correct. The The Nevada State Athletic Commission would not um, sanction, sanction the fight. fight. Right, So, Nevada. but California will. Yes. And why is that? Uh, because allegedly the California State Athletic Commission question? no was able to hold a hearing on it, and during that hearing they determined that it wasn't intentional, I guess. I, I don't know. It's all shady. It doesn't <laughs> right. make any sense. It's right. a bunch of bullshit. It's the shadiest um, of the shady, which... Uh, I mean, I know we don't look at sports necessarily and athletes as like maybe like the greatest people to follow in terms of like being a good person but it's just stuff like this that just I feel like undermines an entire organization and an entire sport it's just frustrating undermines the legitimacy of your champion who probably doesn't listen no amount of steroids in the world was going to help Alexander Gust- Gustafson beat John Jones right but because of this people are going to question that and it, and it taints it when it doesn't need to be tainted no. And and John's a wild motherfucker and maybe that's just what he needs to do to have that confidence. He needs to think he has like the best doping team in the world and he has that advantage on people. Maybe that's where part of his confidence stems from. But by all appearances he doesn't need that to be the best. It it's just it's a fucking shame all around. Um Fuck the California State Athletic Commission. Fuck exactly. Foster. How are we fuck not Jeff we gotta hold them fuck, for s- accountable? Fuck too. Dana White. Fuck um, our normal our normal list of wahoos. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I was just explaining a disgrace. I was um talking to my girlfriend about the situation because we were together when the fight was going down, and mm-hmm. I was talking about it in much more layman's terms than what you just laid out because i'm not as familiar with that stuff but i was trying to just explain it to her and in turn explaining it to myself and i just was like how does none of this makes any sense i don't know and then i was just like how can i even i don't know man like same with boxing boxing i think is notorious for being shady and scorecards not being what they should be and um promoters not representing the fighters the the way they should be but I feel like boxing's been around enough, like they've established themselves as a credible, I don't know, that's probably kind of a tricky thing to say, but like UFC is still trying to make it onto the scene, uh, a newer organization um, definitely has had their scandals outside of the ring, and uh, this kind of just undermines the entire product that they're putting out there, which is a shame for the fighters and the fights that we've seen, because some, a lot of these fighters, I'd say hopefully the majority of the fighters nowadays are doing things the right way. And they're putting their, like, blood, sweat, and tears into the sport and just to have it undermined by these, like, comically awful decision-making by the higher-ups. Well said. Couldn't have said it better. And, um, the, the, I don't know if it's unfortunate, but the result of this is going to be that, I mean, most people buy the picogram excuse. I mean, Rogan did. 
Rogan ate it <laughs> hook, line, and sinker. You know, he's like, yeah, picograms for sure. It's just like, I mean, if Rogan, who should know better and obviously runs, is a co-owner of a supplement company, um, takes testosterone, HGH, and whatever himself, um, is was a competitive athlete, has been around the sport. If he doesn't know better, or maybe he's just, maybe he's a shill, I don't know. I don't really know. Hard to say at this point. Um, but if he doesn't know enough to say that smells like bullshit, then the common UFC fan isn't either. Right. So. Whatever, bro. I don't know. Yeah, it's frustrating. All your heroes are on steroids. That's that's just what it's safe to assume. Everybody's on roids. <laughs> just It'd be easier to just accept that and then move forward than to hold out and hope for some true organic fighters but it seems like they're all synthetic we don't need this whole kabuki theater to like try and show that we're keeping the sport clean it's just just get rid of all the shenanigans all the tomfoolery all the ballyhoo (laughs) it's it's enough i like all of those terms (laughs) tomfoolery and ballyhoo i gotta implement those into my daily usage i'm not sure what the last one meant (laughs) The last one might have been something sexual from like the nineteen tens. <laughs> so let's just do away with all that. Let's just let everybody take whatever the fuck they want to take, because they already are. And let's just. The have UFC some has proven that they really don't care what you're on as long as you're winning. Yeah, just bring back Ubering. Bring <laughs> back Ubering. That's what I want. Um, who? That's what Alistair Ubering just said. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. That's all I have on 232. I'm, you know, they're making the debut with uh, on ESPN Plus coming up here on the 19th. Yeah, Dillashaw Cejudo. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's hard for me to be super enthusiastic about the sport right now. Because when I first jumped on the UFC train, probably like eight years ago, I was just like all about it. A super, I don't know, I thought it was like the next big thing in fighting. And it, obviously it is. It's sold for $4 billion, but it's definitely lost. For me, it's lost some of its luster. And every sport, and, uh, and oh. ev- I was going to say every oh, organization, sorry. every sport has its problems. I mean, I, I follow college football and the NFL, and trust me, they have a lot of issues as well. Just kind of sad to see it. Seems like, seems like the UFC has more whenever John Jones is around. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, can't find the correlation. Uh, before we move on, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Ryan Hall, Blinky McHeel Hook, um, that beautiful roll to heel hook on the legend BJ Penn, um, BJ Penn, who was one of the first Americans to win like a world jujitsu title. Um, super impressive, and I'm just super happy that that dude. Uh, is having success in the UFC with his unique style. A lot of people don't want to fight him because of his unique style. Dana doesn't really like him because he says it's not fan-friendly. I love watching the dude fight. Super talented. And um, I, I've watched a lot of his DVDs on jiu-jitsu, and the dude's just a freaking genius. Um, you know, shout out to shout out. people people with Tourette's doing the damn thing, so. Shout out Ryan Hall. Yeah. So. Um, side note, 
completely unrelated. I'm just looking at pictures of Victor Conti right now, and he looks like he's straight out of, like a villain out of some bad Disney movie. <laughs> he's the perfect character for the Balco Labs. Yeah, he's such a strange individual. Because, like, he was in a band and somehow ended up involved in this whole... I, I just... I don't get it. Like... What is he doing there? It seems like he doesn't even really have that much knowledge. How did he get involved <laughs> in this? I don't know. He's got a perfect little Pepe Le Pew mustache that is just awful, but perfect for his villain role. Yeah, just a fucking weirdo. Yeah, exactly. Shout out. <laughs> Man, where do we go from there? I don't know. You have anything else sports related? Anything else in the world of sports that you want to touch on? Um, R. Kelly played basketball. Is that, con- is that considered sports? Um, we can definitely get into R. Kelly because that was, <laughs> was on my list. That's a dark one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's it for the world of sports. Um, have you watched the documentary? So there's a documentary out. Yeah. For those who are unfamiliar, uh, Surviving R. Kelly. Apparently, he's like almost sex trafficking kind of having sex slaves some of them underage most of them most of them underage um this is the same guy that married Aaliyah when she was like 15 or 16 same guy that peed on a 16 year old and there's video evidence of that bad dude i don't understand how he's not in prison um very similar to the cosby thing you know uh, there was a lot of smoke and you know you assume there's fire when there's that much smoke but none of it was sticking so I mean I'm still holding out hope that hopefully he gets uh, locked up but for now he's walking the street uh, apparently tampering with witnesses and paying everybody off um, yeah weird your, your take on this your thoughts your information yeah I saw the first two episodes of the the docuseries and it's awful obviously um terrible underage girls ruining lives um in his mansion in Illinois he's he would just have underage girls locked up essentially they weren't allowed any freedoms if they spoke up against him or just in general said anything that he didn't agree with beaten starved um so just a terrible individual, but the thing that's interesting to me is that, like you said, we've I feel like the majority of people have known that R. Kelly has been a creep, to what extent or another may, might vary between people. But we've I mean we've all known about that tape, we've all known he's been with underage girls before, but yet I don't know anybody who's really protested it or stood up against it, or like been vocal in support of the women's lives that he's ruined i mean his marriage to Aaliyah, i think she was 15 at the time i'm pretty sure that was well known to everybody i know they forged their marriage or her age but we all knew it they went on talk shows and spoke pretty openly about it and we all just kept on playing remix to ignition like it was no big deal and um there was the Chappelle skit about r kelly back in the day um that was just kind of making fun of the you're urinating on underage girl uh, sex tape, but we've never really done anything about it. And I'm guilty. I mean, I don't really listen to his music. It's not my type, but I've never really voiced my like negative opinion about it either. Uh, so it's just kind of weird that this has all been going down 
pretty much in the open, but no one's ever really done anything about it. So it's kind of, it's just strange to me that we are now realizing it just because it's pretty much cut and dry, black and white in a docuseries. It's kind of a shame that took place, I don't know, 20 years after some of these incidents, which is a shame. Um, So just super interesting because he's won Grammy Awards. He's been uh, kind of an A-list celebrity with all of these charges against him, but has never really faced any punishment for anything that he's done. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling. I don't... I don't get it, but hopefully um, this documentary leads to something happening, um, something being done. You know, a lot of times that doesn't happen until there's a bit of public outcry. Um, but it's going to require one of these people who are abused um, coming forward, and sometimes that's tough, um, especially mm-hmm. when, you, when you've been traumatized in that way. It's almost – you're almost like brainwashed kind of in, in – extremely damaged and some of these people just probably don't want to deal with it anymore and the it's daunting to think about the next you know it could be year couple years of your life you know having to testify in court having all these um, details of your life that are extremely traumatic to you dragged out in the open and people talking about them and them being replayed over and over again I mean I I can only imagine how daunting that is. So, Yeah, the other uh, thing that I take exception with is the fact that R. Kelly has worked with some of the most famous names in like music today, like Chance the Rapper, Jay-Z, Lady Gaga. I mean, he's appeared with all of these people in, in songs or music videos before, and yet, and all of these accusations have been known. I mean, he's been arrested before. And yet these people still collaborate with them and work with them together just for that almighty dollar. And so at what, uh, I mean, are you going to hold these people accountable as well for working with them? Are th- should they be held accountable? Will we actually care that they work with them? It just seems like at what point do you sacrifice your morals for that almighty dollar when you know the person you're working with has raped, molested, beaten, starved? underage african-american girls yeah where do we draw the line like what do they have to do like right. apparently apparently this isn't enough so is murder where we draw the line i guess is if you can convict him prove it yes is you know what number of rapes until you know you no longer do that does it have to be um more famous people because it, it seems to be, you know, these girls are kind of faceless because they mm-hmm. nobody knows who they are and stuff like that. So, but, you know, Harvey Weinstein does it to famous people and immediately, you know, action is taken. You know, it's okay. Maybe maybe in their mind, they're like, oh, it's okay. He does it to nobody's but not like one of us. Mm-hmm. You know, because... I don't know, maybe these celebrities view themselves as better than normal people and that normal people... I mean, obviously R. Kelly does, but I'm talking about the people who work with him. Maybe they view other humans as less than, and then therefore it's okay because they're not one of the special ones like us. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I don't like it, I'll tell you that much. Um, what can I do about it? Nothing. 
Um, talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Definitely talk about it. Um, that way, if you know anybody's ever put on a jury of his peers, at least they'll have the background. They'll know what's going on. And, uh, but it's disgusting. And I just feel like we talk about these things over and over again. And it seems like we're not making a whole lot of progress. I don't know. It's disheartening, for sure. But try to stay positive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, I agree. But think globally, act locally. It. Affect your affect what you can. Not to bring uh, race into this, but is it the fact that the majority of the girls that I've seen in this docu series are all underage African American girls? Do you think that has anything to do with the news coverage and him not? receiving any punishment for his actions i i definitely think that if it was a blonde-haired blue-eyed girl from some elite chicago suburb do you think this would be different i do think it would be different i think a lot more people would care about it i think it'd get a lot more attention anytime you have um sort of the 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 cross-racial um conflict you're mm-hmm. going to get more airtime on the news channels. You're going to get more eyeballs on it. You're going to get more coverage. Yeah, I think that would make a difference. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it completely solved the problem because, I mean, Cosby ha- had, you know, white, you know, all, all sorts of different people that That's he true. did that to. And for the longest time, like, it, none of it was sticking. I guess there was a statute of limitations issue there. Uh, I don't know if that's the case in the R. Kelly thing. Um, yeah, I don't really have an answer to why we don't care more about this, why it's not a bigger deal. Um, I don't really get it. So, Your thoughts? Do you think yeah. – because, I mean, I mean, obviously it's – people – and I'm sure there are other examples, um, but I can just think of – you know, people who have been given passes um, because either they're exploiting minorities or because they're a minority doing the exploiting. I don't know if it's column A, column B. Correlation is not causation. I'm not saying that, you know, anybody's given a free pass because of their race. But it's just things to look at and questions to ask. Because, I mean, we have to talk about it. Something, Something's happening here. Right. I just don't know what the variables are. So. Yeah, I mean, I think the the race thing might play a certain factor but like you said about bill cosby i think the celebrity status kind of trumps all of that stuff as long as you have that celebrity status and support of your fans and the money to support your legal team i'm not sure how big of a factor it really is but i do think if it was if there were some anglo-saxon females involved uh it might be a little different but i don't know yeah Definitely in the coverage. I agree with that entirely. So coverage for sure, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. There we go. R. Kelly. Fuck that dude. Yep. Um So after that <laughs> Where can um, we go from that peachy subject? Kinda lighter, but you know, a little bit different. What's going on with your boy Michael Rapport? <laughs> Oh man, I love Michael Rappaport, and most people would probably hate me for saying that. But I I view him not in a serious nature, which is why I think I can 
tolerate what he says and how he says it, whereas some people Definitely. just get worked up way too much about it. I mean, to me, it's a shtick, and I don't think you should view it any other way. I mean, he, he talks yeah. shit. That's literally what he does. That's what he professes to do. His mm-hmm. uh, his book is about talking shit. I mean, everything he does, that's what he does. That's how he moves the needle. He's like a Skip Bayless, but with more politics and civil rights stuff going on. So I, I personally enjoy it, and I kind of get a little joy out of other people getting worked up so much about it. Because you, you just can't, you can't look at him and listen to him with like a serious voice like you if you're looking for news coverage or like a serious take on some current event michael rapport's not the person you should go to to find out information but i'll go i'll watch whatever he puts out just to like laugh about a certain situation but i i, mean, I disagree with like 99 percent of the things he says it doesn't mean i can't find him entertaining definitely and, and the entertainment factor is there the only thing that um I don't know. It didn't really make sense to me. Some some of the things that don't make sense to me is when he takes shots at people that I just I just don't understand why he's taking the shot. Like Ariana yeah. Grande, like I I didn't get that one. Kind of left me scratching my head, and I felt like I was missing something because why are you, why are you taking shots at her randomly just based on her appearance? <laughs> Doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. The whole um, Kevin Hart. Polly Shore proxy war. I get that. Go ahead, do that. That's that's great. You know, if you want to have trash talk and stuff, be about that. Fantastic. But the Ariana Grande thing kind of left a bad taste in my mouth, unless I'm missing part of that story. Was he going after her um, after the Pete Davidson breakup, or uh, what was the timeline of events for that? It was pretty far after that. He basically just posted on. Um, yeah, it was after Pete Davidson kind of was saying the suicide that stuff. He had some sort of yeah, some suicide stuff. Um he had like issues, but that that had never been Ariana Grande's fault. And basically what he said was, I don't understand why dudes are getting so like bent out of shape over Ari- Ariana Grande. Mm. They're better looking girls at Starbucks and posted a picture oh, of her okay. with no makeup well, that's on. That's just him. That's just him talking shit. That's what he does. Yeah. It's just that <laughs> And that, if you go like, up, what's up? That that to me is just like to me it's just like kind of making light of what Pete Davidson's going through. Yeah, I guess. And then at the same time, it's attacking Ariana Grande for just like not being good looking. Yeah, that's not cool. It's just like I don't know that Maybe. that one just didn't didn't do it didn't for work you. Out for yeah, me. yeah, didn't land. I I mean that's fair. Like I said, I I definitely don't agree with the majority of the things he says or does. But I still find some comic relief in it, I guess. Um, yeah, maybe I, got, he, I get comic relief out of the Polly. Sh- have you seen the Polly Shore beef? Uh, uh-uh, no. So the uh, ra- go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was gonna say yeah, the rap- thing. The thing that I, my guilty pleasure, are the Michael Rappaport, uh, Danny Aiello cover up or the voiceovers for the videos. Yeah. I mean, I literally laugh out loud almost to a point of crying at how funny and dumb those are. and they're stupid they're dumb it's a waste of 30 seconds of my life but it's so funny and i don't know maybe i'm just Definitely. a simple brain like that but those <laughs> it's so ridiculous dude have Anyways. you seen the ones with the the funny looking cat that he does yeah yeah i love his oh, feud that, with the cats dying they're so dying. good see that's when i think he's at his best he doesn't need to be like absolutely attacking an individual i think he can be hilarious with just like 
making fun of a situation that's not necessarily like involving one particular person. Definitely. And so I don't know the the sure thing. I don't know if it's like orchestrated or not. But basically, Rapport called out Kevin Hart because, you know, he had those past uh, homophobic tweets. And then it turned out, like, Kevin Hart said he apologized for him, but then he didn't really apologize for him. Um, he's like, yeah, I've apologized for those in the past. And then people are like, but where's the apology? And he didn't really apologize for him. He just said mm. he did. Um, so Rapport went after Kevin Hart. Uh, Polly Shore just randomly kind of stood up for Kevin Hart and called out Michael Rappaport while he was about to go into this Korean spa or whatever. And then, like, they've been doing, like, back and forth. Like, there's this video of Pauly Shore, like, coming up to Michael Rappaport's car while Rappaport's in traffic and, like, yelling at him and shit. And Rappaport pulls out, which I don't know if I gained more gained respect to Rappaport for this or lost respect, but he pulled out, you know, one of those extendable batons. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, he just snapped out of it <laughs> a uh, extendable baton and was like, "Get away from my car, you fuck you!" And like, just I don't know if I gained respect or lost respect because of that. I don't know. I have to think about it. Incredible. But it's just interesting. He's just elevating the the shit talking kind of troll persona that he's developed and taking it to another level. It's insane. I love it. Entertaining for sure. Yeah, I th- that's. I think that it's what it is for me is just not taking them too serious and just kind of finding humor in what you want to find humor in. And then if you don't just move on, I don't know. I try not to like give him the satisfaction of me getting worked up over him. And I think that's why it didn't work out at Barstool is because some of their fans uh, might've taken him too literal on some of like his political talk and stuff. And you just got to like realize it's doesn't, I don't think he actually means like anything he says. It's just to get a reaction and to get some people to laugh and get some people to be mad. And for Barstool, Definitely. everyone just got mad. Definitely. But like when he goes off on well, those rants about like just minute things uh, like in life that aren't really a big deal, I think that's hilarious. Definitely. That's why I like him. That's why I like Bill Burr. I love when right. they go off on, on the rants. Right. That's, that's some of the funniest things. It's so me. good because like we can it. all relate, but they can just like narrate it better. And from one uh, shit shit-talking troll that's easy to dismiss to another shit-talking troll that's running our country. Oh. Um, Donald Trump is, you know, currently running a government shutdown, basically. Single-handedly, single-handedly orchestrating it uh, because he's holding out for funding for the wall that Mexico was supposed to pay for. Your thoughts, Tommy? Uh, I don't think he's going to get the wall. I think the government shutdown is going to continue until the Democrats are the majority of the House, which should be starting soon, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. It was Thursday or Friday. Thursday or Friday. Thursday or Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, they swore him in. I like the fact that I, th- I read somewhere that Trump was trying to um, reorchestrate the name of the wall to try to make it sound more um, appealing to those opposed to it, which I don't think he's going to fool anybody with that. And uh, the walls are caving in, um, no pun intended, pretty close to to our boy Donald Trump right now. Yeah, it's... Closing in, rather. Our democracy is not working. 
<laughs> it has <laughs> it has come to a grinding halt and um skirt, skirt. We've, we've we've tried all the normal ways of fixing it and it's not quite working um yeah but we're on day 16 of the government shutdown uh the house keeps proposing bills with funding that don't include uh provisions for the border wall trump's keep saying that he's not going to sign those we don't have uh the votes to be able to override any of his vetoes so we're kind of at an impasse we're kind of stuck and while they're having their little fight and their little tiff um america's paying for it so it's incredible and i i don't think a lot of people really understand the impact my wife got in an argument at work uh, with one of her customers who was talking about the wall and the funding for it. Mm. It's like, you probably don't even notice the government shut down right now. And she's like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that the people who are affected by it are not noticing it. You know, like, just because I'm not noticing it doesn't mean there aren't people out there that are being completely negatively affected by it. And so I just kind of wanted to run over, like, what is actually being affected and how so just to throw out a list of things that are affected by the government shutdown that is on day 16 of the shutdown right now uh the coast guard the faa and that includes the tsa and air traffic controllers national parks housing and urban development the fbi the dea border patrol the bureau of prisons Customs, the Secret Service, the FDA, NASA, the USDA, Department of Agriculture, um, the EPA, the FCC, and uh, food assistance programs, um, SNAP, food stamps, WIC, all that stuff. Um, If we don't have uh, a government restart by the end of January, there's... A possibility that they won't get any of their food stamp assistance um, in the month of February. So, just a rundown of those, and and people don't realize it. So, it's about eight hundred thousand government employees who are infected by this. Eight hundred thousand people, and a lot of those people aren't getting paid. And not only are they not getting paid, but they still have to show up to work. So they're working without pay right now. And I don't know about you. But I don't know how long I would be able to put up with that. Um, not long, I would hope. Um, I saw SeaTac Airport, probably going to, all the TSA members there are going to be shutting down, um, which if you're not getting paid and you're doing your job, I don't think you should have to come to work if you're not getting paid. Kind of the whole point of it. But um, yeah terrible i hope we can sort this out sooner rather than later yeah and a lot of people are like oh you know but they have to come to work it's an essential duty blah 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 just suck it up and and show up well here's the problem with that the majority of americans don't have a whole lot of savings that they're sitting on Mm -hmm. um you know there's that infamous study where you know a ton of Americans wouldn't be able to come up with $400 if they had an emergency bill come up. 
Well, I'm pretty sure most of these government employees are getting more than $400 every paycheck. Yeah. And it's easy for outsiders to say, oh, just show up. It'll be over soon, whatever. But when your bank account is dry and you have to put food on the table, would you still keep showing up to a job that isn't paying you? Or would you look elsewhere for employment for an additional source of income? Um, so a lot of people like that, that it, dude who was talking to my wife. Oh, you probably don't even notice the government shutdown. Well, for other people, they're fucking struggling to put food on the table to pay rent. They could get evicted. They're maxing out credit cards. It's a disaster for a lot of people. And I, I don't know how people can just be so nonchalant about that. It's mind-blowing. Um, in addition to not getting paid, uh, as far as HUD goes, they've suspended housing and urban development. So that's government-assisted housing, housing for elderly, the disabled, stuff like that, um, low-income families. They've suspended their mandatory health and safety inspections. For, for the housing that they provide. So we could have elderly people, disabled people, low-income families living in housing that's dangerous, that has black mold that's structurally unsound, all that sort of stuff. And the, it's not being inspected and being um, mandated to have repaired or, or rectified that situation. Uh, rental assistance payments for those low-income families could and elderly, disabled could stop. If the shutdown goes into February, um, the Coast Guard, they were last paid on December 31st, which is not really a big deal for them yet. But if it goes past January 15th, they won't get it, that paycheck that they're um, expecting on January 15th that they normally get. And that's 50,000 Coast Guard members who are out there, you know, they're, they're doing what the name says. They're defending our coasts and keeping our nation safe. And, like, this whole border wall thing is supposed to be about keeping our nation safe. But you are not funding the military institution who is tasked with that job. <laughs> kind of ironic. Just, yeah, mind-blowing. Um, as you said, the TSA, the FAA, the air traffic controllers, um, the people who make all that run... A lot of the TSA agents are calling out sick, so there's understaffing. They're probably not doing as thorough of a job as they normally would, um, thereby leaving us open to who who knows what as far as uh, flights go. Uh, air traffic controllers are already one of the most stressful jobs in the country. Um, they're consistently at the top mm -hmm. of the list, and mistakes in those cases can be catastrophic. Um, and putting additional stress and understaffing them and having them stressed out about where their next paycheck is coming from, um, being able to put food on the table. I don't know about you, but I don't want my air traffic controllers having that kind of stress when nope. I'm on a plane. So we'll see how long this goes. I mean, uh, the pilots of Delta and United wrote a letter to Trump imploring him to just stop and think about how – this government shutdown will affect people if it does extend for months and years um we could we could witness a shutdown of our aviation industry we could witness 
you know, the other thing, uh, FAA uh, safety inspectors, I believe, are not currently inspecting planes like they normally would. So, all bad things. Yeah, it's just it, we're we're falling apart. Uh, the Bureau of Prisons, prison guards are going. Federal prison guards are going without pay. How long do you think a federal prison guard is going to keep doing their job without being paid? You couldn't pay me enough money to do that job. Yeah, and IRS, the IRS, we're not going to receive um, basically our tax refunds until this is taken care of because the majority of the IRS functions are being shut down. It's it's insane. And, you know, we've had – and we've had shutdowns before. So, like, yes, we've been through stuff like that, but we've never had a president – who is saying that I will drag this shutdown on for as long as I need to. And this is already the second longest in the last 20 years. Yep, we're uh, day 16. The longest was 21 days. So I don't know if he's just sitting, you know, in the White House thinking that he's... And this is... Oh, fuck. (laughs) This just pisses me off because this is exactly what what I was talking about when he was first rising to the presidency in the early stages of his presidency people like donald trump is going to be a great president because he's a great businessman but they don't know the way donald trump does business donald trump does business by fucking people over until he gets what he wants and when he's president the people he's fucking over are the people of the united states of america (laughs) that's not a good combination it's, it's asinine, and the fucking great deal-maker, the guy who wrote the art of the deal, couldn't get... Well, he didn't write it. No. He, had, he paid somebody else to write that book. Ghost um, Yeah, the guy who has made his reputation on being able to be a great deal-maker couldn't do what he said he would do in getting Mexico to pay for the wall. Now is trying to force Americans to pay for the wall and can't even do that. Not a great if business. If you're a man. Trump supporter, yeah. If you're a Trump supporter, I do not know how you can be happy with his presidency. And there definitely still are those people out there, and there are definitely still a lot of them. Oh, it, it makes me so like. I feel I, like we've I, been, I, I wa- Yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say I feel like we've been saying that for the better part of a year now. Just if you support Trump, uh, at what point? Do you just say okay? Enough is enough. Because I feel like every every time we reconvene for the podcast, it's a new low. Yeah, this is like this is like the R. Kelly <laughs> of politics. Tying it all in. At, at what point? Right. Are you just stop supporting this motherfucker. What does he have to do? I I don't I don't think there is a Mariana's trench for this individual. I think it can go as low as he wants. And still have his supporters. Yeah, and it's just he is almost single-handedly manufacturing an economic recession. It's impressive. Like he's he's ran up the national debt. He's brought our government to a complete halt. He has initiated a trade war with the majority of the world. Uh, we have, we had a government jobs report just come out that was pretty positive. 
Um, I believe it's like 312,000 new jobs were added um, when they were only expecting like 174 or something. I don't know the exact numbers. Um, wages wages increased. And the stock market's going down because they see what's coming down. They see what's coming. You know, the numbers may be good right now, but they see where he's taking us, and it is not a good spot. Yeah. And then something you may, uh, you know, moving on from the government shutdown, which travesty hopefully gets worked out soon. Um, I really hope it gets worked out before January 15th because that's when we're going to see a lot of impact on these federal workers, most of whom are paid bi-monthly, usually on the 1st and the 15th. I was mm-hmm. I was one for a while when I was in the Air Force, so I know what that's like. Um, so he had a press conference, which could be described as chaotic. Um, <laughs> he was all over the place on this shit, just like all over the place. Talking about, you know, border security and stuff like that. And then he also somehow found a way to justify and support the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. (laughs) Incredible. Your thoughts on that as as a history major, Tommy? What exactly did he say? He said... That the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan was to fight terrorism. Complete revisionist history. Hold um, on. Putting so the carp- I, I think you cut out there for a second. What was that? Oh, sorry. Sorry. He said the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, that they were doing that in order to fight terrorism. Yeah, I don't think that's how that worked. Um, it's putting the cart, cart before the horse there a little bit because they had terrorism sure. after we armed the Afghanis against the Soviets. Yeah. Um, and then that happened. But it's just he's so obviously history. revisionist history. And he's talking about this in regards to he's he's talking about pulling our troops out of Afghanistan, pulling our troops out of Syria. Against all so military been. advice that he is receiving, and what he already, when he was uh, becoming president or campaigning to become president, critiquing Obama for pulling his troops out of the Middle East. So just completely flip flopping on that. But proceed. Yeah, so much so that that Mad Dog Mattis resigned in protest as his Secretary of Defense. Yeah, that's the one that really scared me a lot because I feel like Mattis was the last one of the last rational people that still advised Trump, one of the last guys people who have hasn't left yet and somebody who could talk with the right and the left and was unanimously respected, I believe, uh no matter what your political opinions were. And for Mattis to resign with an all-time resignation letter shout out to that resignation letter beautifully written um kind of scared me that it was like our last voice in the white house one of the last voices in the white house that could like calmly and rationally push this president in the right direction and for him to step away uh scares me i don't um i don't know what direction trump is heading in and um 
moving forward. I don't know if he knows what direction he's moving forward. Um, yeah, it's that was the one that really scared me when I saw that um, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and and let me state that under certain circumstances, I would be okay with pulling out of Syria and Afghanistan because I am a big fan of turn the other cheek foreign policy. Uh, but Same, but if you've already invested this much and you have these quote-unquote goals and you've promised the people of these countries um, and your allies that you're going to do something and then you just completely don't do it, then you're going to kill a lot of people. Yeah, and, and it would be better if that if we pulled out in a situation where Russia wasn't so heavily trying to intervene in those areas. Like, right. like in Iraq. It's, I mean, I, I have to believe that Trump is doing this to appease Putin. That's the only rational I thing. I have to. I, I, he gives me no other choice than to believe that he is just trying to be buddy-buddy with somebody who has the worst intentions for the United States of America. Make no mistake about that. Absolutely. And I just want to point out as well that Trump said he would defeat um, ISIS in Syria in the first 30 days, and now he is surrendering to ISIS in Syria. So I just just wanted to throw that out there. Um, I mean, you live, you lose, you're losing the trust of our allies who have said that they will fight alongside of us and are invested in this and the Kurds and all the people that we have promised things to which makes us weak as a country and you're just going to leave an open void, which is what you criticized Obama of leaving a power vacuum when you withdrew the troop, when he withdrew the troops back in 2013. So I'm not uh, the only option that I have to believe is that Trump is trying to be best friends with Putin. Yeah. It's it's while simultaneously that makes sense making us um, once again embarrassing us uh on the world stage definitely yeah i uh i, I don't know what else to say really uh, <laughs> and now you know we're at a place where what do you do you get a if time machine for 2020. <laughs> but, but what do you do if you're... What do you do if you are a, somebody in politics who's in opposition to Trump? Do you just try to jam him up and not compromise at the expense of the American people? Even though you're not the person who's causing this to happen. Do you sacrifice what you stand for and believe in in order to make it easier on the the Americans who are caught in the crossfire? Or do you stand up to what he's doing and not pass any sort of funding for the wall? Because that's the right thing to do, even though it'll be the hard thing to do. Uh, out of those three illustrious options, I think I would pick the latter. Yeah, I think so too. And that's easy for me to say because I'm not getting a paycheck right. exactly. from the government. Well, I, I am from a government, not the government that's currently shut down. But um, 
And that's not a foreign government. It's a local government. I just want to clarify that now <laughs> after I made statements about being a round-earth shill and a vac- uh, pro-vaccination shill. Yeah. I don't want to then. It's good to um, clarify things. Yeah. George, Sor- George Soros is paying me. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> but the global cabal of, uh, you know, the Illuminati, uh, that's who cashes. That's whose name is on my check. Uh, when I cash it, so cool. But um, yeah, it's easy for me to say. Uh, it's definitely not an easy thing for somebody who's not getting paid come January fifteenth or didn't get paid, because you know the Coast Guard got paid the thirty first December, but that, uh, like all the other government workers did not. Um, so they've already missed one paycheck. This will be two paychecks missed come the fifteenth. I don't know how understanding different apartment complexes, different, um, you know, rental companies, different uh, mortgage lenders, how understanding are they going to be? You know, Chase Bank, I remember they were saying that uh, they would cover all checks until the government shutdown ended or until January 4th, whichever was sooner. Huh. So so January 4th is coming past. They covered checks yeah. up until the 4th, 5th and 6th. You're not covered. So places can be understanding, but I'm sure they can only be so understanding just as, you know, you you could be only you can only be so understanding as a TSA worker who's not getting paid. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. they'll the companies will probably put up with it just as long as you will put up with not getting paid. So, like, it's all going to fall apart sometime. How how much will Trump dig his heels in? How much will the, the de- Democratic House decide that, hey, it's worth it to give him $5 billion for a border wall if it means that the American people, you know, aren't going to suffer? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm – I mean, I'm – I'm excited, but not in a positive way. <laughs> you know, like people always say, excited, like it, it's positive. Excited doesn't have to be. You're positive. you're aroused. Yes. <laughs> oh man. No, I get what you're saying. But it's, yeah. What will happen on the next episode of the United States of America? (laughs) (laughs) Truly is a reality TV show. Yeah. Truly is. I'm definitely eager to see what is going to happen. Eager, uh, anxious. In a terrified way. Yes. terrified way. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, In the meantime, Republicans are freaking out about... uh, I forget her name. It was the the hijab wearing um, House of Representatives or Senator who just got elected. Uh, Is that the one that used the uh, the one that used the uh, Quran for swearing in? Yes, sworn in the crowd. I'm sorry, I gotta find her name because that's just dis- disrespectful. Um, she used like Thomas Jefferson's Quran, if I remember reading that correctly. Yeah, she did. Which I didn't Which know Thomas Jefferson owned a Quran. 
Well, Thomas Jefferson, if I'm getting my uh, founding father's political beliefs correct, didn't believe in one religion. He just believed in God, like a higher power generally. Hmm. I forget if that's that's a deist. Rashida Tlaib. Rashida Tlaib, yeah. And, um, yeah, deist. Deist? Deism. So, deist. Um, belief in the existence of God on the evidence of reason and nature only with rejection of supernatural revelation. So he was just like super into researching all the religions, seeing what they had to say, I think. But anyway, um, she said we something to the effect of we need to impeach this motherfucker. Yeah, and I'm reading that right now. What a transcript that is from a divorced yeah. Muslim woman. That's got to shake some people. In their boots. Uh, it, it rustled some jimmies, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as um, controversial as the, a statement could get from a picture-perfect poster child of somebody that a lot of people in the middle America would be scared of. Exactly. And, and the funny thing is that they're getting so inflamed over something that they they profess to love about trump is that trump says what other people are thinking but are scared to say and he just says what's on his mind you know what what everybody's thinking but people don't have the balls to sack up and say and she did the exact same thing right and they're like how dare you, <laughs> <laughs> you know? they only like, like it when <laughs> their people say it and the people that look like them say it yeah exactly Exactly. It's so funny that the group that calls people snowflakes are very snowflake-ish on if you push the right buttons, you know. Right. The people it's, who it's are projection. the people who are sensitive are the most insecure people. 100%. Yeah. Always. So during the government walk, shutdown, th- that's that's what they're getting upset about is <laughs> you know, her saying let's impeach the motherfucker and then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez dancing. Apparently that was a big deal. Um we really focus on the important things of our government. Of course. Uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, where was she dancing? What was the context of said dance? So somebody dug up an old Boston University promotional video that she was in where yeah. everybody – it was just like a, a, div, a group of students and it was a promotional thing. They are just like all dancing. And, and – there were extremely negative contact or comments about her dancing. Um, let me see if I can pull like, it up. Because it was she was like, provo- was she provocative or w- did she dance like Elaine? How did this work? No, just dancing like it definitely wasn't provocative. You know what I'm saying? Like, here. Okay, there it is. Twitter troll. Boom. But so, you know, she wasn't dancing. Some maybe at the beginning you could call it semi-provocative, but this would all be acceptable at a high school dance. Let me say that, and is probably much less than anybody would see at a high school dance. Um, so the tweet was: "Here's America's favorite commie know-it-all acting like the clueless nitwit she is," and then posted <laughs> that that video. Oh man. Yeah. I'm watching it right Even now. Even though the clueless nitwit got a degree in 
economics and international relations from the prestigious Boston University and is, you know, now a politician at a super young age. I wonder what that dude's doing. That anonymous Q1776. I wonder what, uh, how successful they are in their own lives. Not that that's an ad hominem attack, and I don't support those. No, I get what you're saying, though. He's probably a real, real peach to be around, real pleasure, real positive yeah. individual. But I think he, she's anything <coughs> but a nitwit. I mean, she's whether or not you do agree with her politics. Right. Um, whether you think she's, she's a socialist obviously very or very smart, competent, and... And she she responded to it in the perfect way. I mean, she she scares me a little bit because she does everything so well that, like, what do you mean by that? So I I don't know if you have picked up on this, but I am not very. Op- optimistic and trusting of our political system and the products right. of that political system. You think and so? Uh, like she's got an earpiece in. Well, I just she's doing everything so well, and like <laughs> I would like to be optimistic and be like, yeah, she's just a good person who wants to make change and stuff like that. But there has to be an equal and opposite reaction to Trump. Right. Newton's third law, sure. Yeah, so that equal and opposite reaction would perf- – in the way that Trump has perfectly rallied and perfectly um, drummed up support from his demographic by pressing all the right buttons and saying all the right right, right things for them to hear, um, there has to be something like that for the other side, right? Right. So – Trump has gotten all these Republicans to believe that he is the perfect solution to all the problems that are going on out there, even though all the evidence shows to the contrary. I just worry that there is going to be a an equivalent Trump for the left and that Ocasio-Cortez could be that Trump. So you're yeah. saying she's the female Trump? Not necessarily the female Trump, but the left Trump, which if the left Trump were, you know, just if we're doing perfect opposites, if the the Trump himself is a white, powerful businessman um, that the then opposite. becomes a politician with power, then the opposite would be a female minority academic. And it's kind kind of what we have. In Ocasio-Cortez, but she so perfectly responded to this criticism by posting another video of her dancing, <laughs> and like it made me like her more. Fight, fire, and it's just fire. like, am I being manipulated by a political system? I don't know. You know, because the Trump people don't think they're being manipulated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And not that I even agree with all of her policies. She floated some 70% tax on the rich and um, the the uber rich. And I'm not sure that's the right way to go about things, for sure. But I just like where she's coming from and what her supposed first principles seem to be. So, I don't know. We'll see. Only time will tell if that is all an elaborate ruse as well. So, 
a long time, 29 years old. Yeah, so she's got another six years before she can run for president, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens yep. in the meantime. Cool. We'll see if we make it another six years. Yeah. <clears throat> Hopefully we're still a country in six years. Yeah. Any other uh, topics you have floating around that you'd like to hit before we... I think I'm all set. Sweet. Yeah. You? That wraps it up for me. Yeah, I'm good to go. How's uh, Tommy's life looking post-academy? Um, you want to talk about <coughs> that at all? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. It's been... Uh, good for the most part, just sending out applications everywhere I am eligible to. Um, so that's not an immediate return uh, in terms of hearing back from people. So hopefully I hear back in the next Absolutely. couple months. Uh, it's a rather slow process, but I do have some tests come test written tests coming up that I'm excited about. So I'm getting ready for those, and then um, just trying to figure out what I'm going to do in the meantime. Uh, hopefully I have a hiring date sooner rather than later. Um, but just trying to figure out what my next step is. So um, just trying to stay busy, trying to stay productive, and uh, just, I don't know, do what I can do uh, in the time being. Good stuff. How yeah. was your uh, visit to Seattle? It was good, really good visit. Uh, I was up there for like five days, six days, spending time with my lady, which was awesome. Um, we had a nice, uh, nice, quiet, but fun New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Watched a lot of the bowl games, um, did a lot of touristy things in Seattle. Um, had a couple g- nice days of weather, which was nice, and uh, it's good. It's nice being up there. It's a, I feel like it's a completely different city in the winter, but it still has a lot of fun things to offer. So uh, it was fun. Uh, dressed appropriately, which was a rare oddity for me. I usually don't dress for the winter weather up there, and then I like immediately regret it as soon as I step outside. So <laughs> that was good. And uh, yeah, man, not a whole lot, not a whole lot to report. How's everything on your end? Good, just still on a day schedule right now, doing a little post academy operations. Yeah, uh, they're gonna extend it a week to get us our red card and do all the oh, wildland cool. stuff. There you go, nice. So, have you taken the pack test yet? No, I haven't. No. Yeah, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be a problem. Nah, probably not. But uh, did a lot of great. Great training this week. Cool. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the nozzle forward stuff. <laughs> yeah, funny you mention that. I've uh, I've seen their YouTube videos before. Yeah. So well, we had one of the original cadre um, who works for Tacoma Fire. Oh, nice. Uh, come out to where we are and uh, do some training with us on that. And cool. That was that was what fantastic. Was that? What are those guys like? Um, well, it was just one one of the guys, but he yeah. was awesome. Um, yeah. See one of the guys no, with a mustache? Yes, he has a mustache. And not nice. to give away too much about him, but he may have been a member of an airborne division in a branch of the military. Oh. And yeah, he's just a super solid guy all cool. around. A um, lot of good knowledge, a lot of good techniques, and a very good instructor who... You know, sometimes when you're instructing somebody... They have to hear it in a certain way in order to understand it. Mm-hmm. And he he had a lot of different ways to explain things to people so that way they could they could absorb it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So just a great experience overall and super lucky and privileged to be able to experience that because I know n- not everybody does. Yeah. And 
not everybody has bought into the whole nozzle forward um, philosophy of fire attack. Um, I'm pretty young in my career, so even though it does make a lot of sense to me, I'm not sure I can say, you know, yeah, this is the way to do things, but um, it, se- it, se- it makes a lot of sense and it seems to be pretty effective. So Yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> it's cool you got uh, got to work with those guys. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm so early in my career that you, if you are a competent, smart individual and are saying th- things in a way that makes sense, I'll be like, yeah, of course, that's that's the only <laughs> way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you t- talk me into whatever, <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah, the best way to open a car hood is to take a chainsaw. No, yeah, that's that makes sense. No. Yeah, I like <laughs> it. Nobody's ever said that, and obviously I don't believe that. But yeah, it's good stuff. Cool, man. Well, fantastic. It was yeah, good talking I'm glad to uh, glad this worked out for the both of us. Hopefully, uh, yeah. we can get more of a consistent schedule moving forward. Definitely. Sounds good. Uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, Until Sunday. Until next time. Enjoy the games. Go yeah. Ravens. Yep. Go Ravens. <laughs> Later. <laughs>